1: What's happening, weirdos? A wonderful episode with a, a wonderful guest, Rachel Bloom, star of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. As I always say, let's get to it as quickly as possible. Uh, a couple plugs up top, as usual. Uh, store.petehomes.com has stickers, pillows, t-shirts, everything that's been inspired by the show uh, available there. Also, HBO's Crashing, the show that I just finished up, is available on HBO Go and HBO Now and on reruns on regular HBO. We have a wonderful new sponsor, which I was just literally watching today. It's so amazing. It's Maria Bamford's new Netflix comedy special. It is like such a break from the traditional form. Super hilarious, super interesting. You have to see it just in my opinion. I had to check it out just to see what everybody was talking about. Not just how funny it is, but how kind of revolutionary and uh, interesting it is the interpretation on the standard comedy special. So check it out. Bamford performs a rapid fire, playful style uh, of saying <laughs> "nope" of stand up for crowds at uh, like park benches, living rooms, bowling alleys. The point is, she's not always doing it in front of a theater and it intercuts between these kind of commonplace areas. It's super, super funny. She's savagely upbeat, lovably awkward, and full of surprises. She's one of my favorite comedians and favorite people. She's the star of the critically acclaimed uh, original series on Netflix, Lady Dynamite, which is based on her own life. And if you want to see her new special, go to Netflix and watch Maria Bamford, Old Baby. Do it today. Uh, Do it today. Uh, We also have the Pete's Picks. I love my Pete picks. As I always mention, hi Brody. Brody's click clacking on the floor. Uh, as I always mention, I get tons and tons of fan mail. It always means so much uh, from people saying that these products uh, help their lives. These are two things that I personally use every day, uh, or at least most days, and uh, I wanted to share with as many weirdos as I could. It's okay. What's up, Brody? Say hi, Val. Hi.
2: Which,
1: which Pete's pick should we start with, Valerie?
2: Let's start with Alpha Brain this
1: time. Let's start with Alpha Brain this time. Alpha Brain, I've gotten very good at explaining this, and I've had a lot of friends and uh, you know other comedians ask me about it. I always send them to com slash weird because that gives you 10% off of Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain is a uh, it's a supplement for your brain. It's a dietary supplement. Uh, it's like a vitamin for your brain, it's called a nootropic and it's wonderful. It really, really helps you think. It really helps you work, helps you concentrate, memory, focus, all those good things. Whenever I have to write a, uh, a script or write stand-up or perform stand-up or act or anything creative, um, certainly record this podcast. I guarantee I was on Brain when we recorded this podcast. That's how important it is to me. I always keep two or three pills in my pocket of every jacket, I own because I never like going without it. So I wanted you to try it. And if you would, go to on Onnit, slash weird. You'll get 10% off uh, your order. And I hope you enjoy it. Now, well, you enjoy it. I do. Proof. <laughs> Proof positive. But in all seriousness, that's something I use every day. I If it means a tenth as much as it means to me, to you, you're going to shit your pants. Uh, Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil is the other wonderful product that I have to endorse here. Uh, it's a peeped pick because it takes the edge off. It's wonderful for traveling. Uh, I, I don't find it interfering with work or stand-up in any way. In fact, it enhances, I would say, my brain function. But it's also wonderful for aches and pains, uh, sleep. It's wonderful anxiety. It's wonderful touring. It's wonderful going to a party and you feel a little weird about it. I always say it just gives me a healthy Happy, Glow, wherever I happen to go. It's, uh, it's made from the hemp plant, obviously, but it's not THC, which means it doesn't get you stoned. It's CBD, which is completely functional. It, it helps your brain, but it doesn't do anything kind of intoxicating to your brain, which means you can hold a conversation, follow a movie, and you won't wake up having ordered the first season of Mr. Belvedere, which is something Valerie and I did not that far ago, not that far ago, not that long ago while we were stoned. Also, <coughs> we've
0: also done alf uh, golden girls alf golden girls, Elf. mad about, mad about you yeah
1: okay <laughs> that's true <laughs> what i love about it is it gives you that kind of relaxing good feeling but there's no cloudiness just a calm heavy glow if you want to try it all you have to do is go to cw like charlotte's web cwhemp.com slash weird use promo code you made it weird for 10 percent off all right guys Enjoy the episode. It's wonderful. And I hope to see you in Boston on May th- uh May 28th. Tickets are available at petehomes.com. Hope to see you out, Boston. Guys, enjoy Rachel Bloom. Uh, get into it. Val?
2: Oh, get into it.
1: Went up on the into. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
1: well, tell her or him. It's she's a she's a lady. She's a lady. She's a lady. Hi.
0: I love it. Talk
2: about that. <laughs> we always do. Do it.
1: You're on the podcast right now. Oh,
2: the podcast has been... Oh, yes. Well. Talk
1: about
2: the universe. Talk about the clitoris. Talk about all the important shit that Rachel and I talk about.
1: Okay. Thanks. I'm glad. Your name is Aileen.
2: Oh, Aileen Brash McKenna. I say it Aileen, okay? <laughs> yep. That's how they say
1: it when they're from the Midwest. oh i look like i'm from the midwest yeah. i'm not no. um that's how, they, that's how
0: they like to say it in the midwest and the south
1: too well don't forget you have a call with cbs later okay <laughs>
0: yes we have a call with cbs we have shit to discuss do you want to
1: be on that um conference me in but i'm going to be on mute
0: <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> okay good you want to say keep it crispy it. What'd you say? It, have, it. have you ever made it to the end of an episode? <laughs>
2: Apparently at the, end, at the end of the episode they say... <laughs> oh wait, no, no, he wait, wait, he, wait, okay, tell me a favorite, and then he wants you to say keep it crispy because that's how he ends an episode. She's... Oh, okay, got it, wait, wait. <laughs> okay. I love the Josh Radner, it's so Josh Radner, that show is like...
0: So designed for him. I love that episode. And I love the Dana Carvey episode so very much.
1: Thanks! And you're on the Rachel Bloom episode.
2: <laughs> uh, yay! <laughs> Alright, keep it crispy, people! You
1: too, Aileen. A-lean. It's like Aline
2: Mean Fighting Machine.
1: Aline. thank you for Bye. that mnemonic. Bye! Bye. I'll call, I'll call you later. Bye, Aline Mean Fighting Machine. Bye, I love you. I will never forget her name because of that.
2: Yeah, that's what she does. Because she's been doing
1: there's a guy uh, yep, yep for sure. It's a ridiculous uh, name. Uh of that,
2: course I don't want you
1: to see it. Welcome. I've been doing a lot of aggressive bits, like quit your yammering and all that sort of stuff. It's great. I'm really honestly so happy that you're here. I'm so
2: happy to be here. I I heard nothing but, as you know, the production, or no, the art director for Crashing is a very good friend of mine, as you know. Jan. Jan Jericho. Jan. Yeah, his husband husband is my, (laughs) oh, I spilled water all over myself. Oh, no. I made it weird. (laughs) Um,
1: How dare you condescend the name of my show. (laughs) (laughs) I will lunge at you. (laughs) Um, um, yes, Jan is amazing, and he's obsessed with He-Man, and he has the best penmanship. I didn't mean to scoop you. That's yeah. what you're going to say, though, right? I mean, he's got the best penmanship.
2: Oh, he's got – uh, no, actually, that. but he does have amazing – he actually – he does have the best penmanship. I mean, he's amazing at everything.
1: He's a hand – double in movies he
2: is a hand double well movies that he's an art director on yeah, that's but, not like his but they, they yes. he his great hands
1: right but he's also a perfect specimen he's got amazing like he was in inglorious bastards writing out the deal yes like the the truce or whatever
2: yes that's Jan's hand i think so because he he also is i want to say hitler's hand in valkyrie
1: Okay, maybe I'm confusing I think my Hitler might, movies. It might
2: be, yeah, there are a lot. Of I movie movies.
1: love Hitler movies. I can't <laughs> stop coming when I watch Hitler <laughs> movies. It's what gets me there. No, I I'm just also
2: love Hitler movies. I mean, no one is more fascinated with Nazi stuff than are you than super Jews. into it? I really love not Hitler, every Jew. Nazi. Not every that's true. If you come from, I didn't
1: mean to a family. You of tell ho- me you're you're Jewish. No,
2: no, 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 no. You can appropriate me <laughs> any way you want. Um,
1: not all lady Jews.
2: <laughs> uh, I think that if you don't come from. Holocaust survivors, you're interested. And then there's a there's a type of, like, family. If, like, your parents or grandparents were Holocaust survivors, you kind of just, like, don't want to think about
1: it. Are that. your grandparents parents, No. I no? mean,
2: I have distant family, but, but my husband's, all four of his grandparents are uh, Holocaust survivors.
1: And what is his interest level in the Holocaust?
2: Not super. I mean, he's interested— Like, low,
1: because it's too sad? It's
2: mid— Well, the ho- there's, like, the Holocaust, and then there's, like, Hitler in World War Two. Right. Holocaust— low just because it's sad and he was surrounded by it my interest in the holocaust is very high
1: <laughs> i'm sorry to laugh because i'm that's, weird No bizarre interest it, it's, it, it's, it's, it, it's not that bizarre it's, it's like it's, a
2: fascination with like why how did we you do this yeah why did like i think that's like the core of it is like <laughs> why do you why do people hate jews i just don't get it
1: yeah, I mean— You
2: tell me. Why do you hate Jews?
1: I don't uh, I don't hate Jews. Yeah.
2: Uh, I'm so glad <laughs>
1: to get that on the record. But don't you think—I mean, did you see, like, The 13th, for example? I
2: actually haven't yet. I'm very behind on it's media. It's okay.
1: That isn't about Hitler. No, it's not about Hitler. It's about uh, the way that we've marginalized and, and villainized black people. hmm And it seems to me that throughout history, there's this weird fucked up... I'm not about to solve the Holocaust right now, by the way. Please do. I'm just saying we love having a villain. We love having something to Mm -hmm. blame. And you even see, you know, Trump... uh, uh, Here we go. Here we go. I'm just saying when you go, it's not nothing. It's the Mexicans. It's not nothing. It's the whatever, Muslims or whatever it may be.
2: You're totally... That's interesting because I was actually... Not that there's a right answer to this, but I was was listening to NPR the other day. Ooh,
1: someone's ahead on media.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And they were talking about how, like, why do people, you know, hate Jews? Why do people hate, you know, these minorities? It's like, well, it's not people, actually. It's always, even with the Jewish stuff, it's always um, some figurehead an authoritarian figure using yeah. scapegoating and then the people follow them but it's never right. like the people on mass suddenly being like oh right i hate jews right i forgot that right it's always one person being like ah, mm, ah Jews."
1: right for sure Or like
2: mm, black people mm, mexicans
1: it's easy to have uh, something to blame i mean we do this all the time right like i do it even in my performing i'm not even trying to just lighten up the conversation i'm just saying i'll be like i had a bad set i shouldn't have had spicy soup
2: You know what I mean? Like your
1: brain is always trying to go like... Because you're
2: looking for... Because it's also like you're looking for patterns. Like we evolved to look for like, okay, well that bush's berries made me sick. So I'm not going to go back to that bush. Exactly. And so it's like... Because I had this thing in high school... Which also relates to just like a, a touch of OCD where it was like, oh, just a
1: sprinkle. I wore just, 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 OC. A, just a dash. Just, OC. just a
2: dash in that cake. <laughs> I it was like, well, I had an audition and I wore this underwear. So I'm going to I got to rewear yep. that underwear. And I used sport, to be pe- that way. Sports, people do that all the time.
1: Yeah. No, I don't think that's that weird. But have you noticed how wrong you'll be? Here, here's what. I, oh, yeah. You're wrong all the time. Yeah. I love, I've i been t- saying it on the podcast a lot lately. Don't believe everything you think. It's become like a mantra lately. Yeah. Like, you are wrong, yet you think you're right, and that's really scary. But I'll, here's how I'll notice it. I'll be walking around, and I'll see someone eating a hot dog, okay? Okay. And then five minutes later, I'll see someone else eating a hot dog, and my brain will just go, it's hot dog day. <gasps> Like yeah, yeah. what? Are, this must be some sort of hot dog day in case meats are being given away freely. Yeah, and no, it's not hot dog day. You just happen to see two people eating hot
2: dogs, but you make it a thing. You make it a, a pattern. Exactly. But you I make love it you, weird. Ooh,
1: twice, Woo-hoo. twice you've woven it in. No, but make it's a like that commercial. thing
2: where it's like you'll you'll be you'll be listening to NPR and you'll hear an interview with let's say Perry Gilpin
1: mm-hmm. uh, or someone from, I
2: know or someone you know, and then <laughs> and then later oh Perry uh, she played Roz on Fraser.
1: Okay, she's like
2: my go to like. If I want to, like, reference, like, anything. It's a great...
1: Oh, can we talk about that? Frasier? Hold on. I'm going to write it down. That's yeah. what this is. The show Frasier? No, no, no. The The bullets we keep in our improv guns.
2: Oh, yep.
1: You know exactly oh, what I'm talking about, don't yes, you? I know exactly what you're talking Wait, about. we finish your
2: point. Uh, but then, and then later that day, someone will reference Perry Gilpin, and I'll be like, that's so weird that you randomly said that. I was just talking about Perry Gilpin yeah. earlier that day, but it's like... Both were just as likely to happen. Right. It's not like suddenly like the universe is, and I think that's where people get into this thing like, well, the universe is not telling me that I should call Perry Galpin. Right, it's right, like, right. no, you shouldn't. Leave her alone. Yeah. Leave Perry leave, alone. Leave Perry alone. She's, she's doing her own thing. It's like that just, that she's was-
1: soaking in residuals. She home. must be, she right? She must be, right? I hope she is. Frazier's still rocking at the 2 AMers.
2: I, whenever I need to like kind of calm down, I watch Frasier on Netflix. Can you even
1: touch, yes- Can you even touch the frustration of the modern-day comedy writers when they're like, they watch Cheers, they watch Frasier, they even watch Friends. Valerie loves Friends. I watch Friends. I'm like, this fucking show is tight as a drum. Yeah. It's stupid sometimes, but I'm like, I don't need to know what's going on. If she's cooking and watching Friends, if I walk by, I'm like, Chandler doesn't want to go to the thing, but Monica's making him. But then, like, (laughs) I get it. And it's so – talk about – Something that pleases your brain. What you think is happening is happening. Yeah, yeah. So you go, I got this. Well, it's, 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 it's the, the pattern.
2: It's the pattern that you think is going on. That's right. And it's a pattern you've seen before, but done in a way that's still, like, inventive. That's right. Um, and it's playing with... I mean, it's 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 sketch. like the idea of, like, what's your game in the sketch? Like, yeah. what's the pattern of behavior? Or how and do it's we like, figure it
1: out, and how do we compare it to something else? Yes. And that's what the brain wants to do. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we're never in the moment is because you're always one, as Ram does, goes, oh, ring the bell. We're always one thought away from it. If you're thinking about it, you're not being it. No. You know what I mean? You're just like, this is just like that other time. Yeah. If I look at Scout and go like, uh, brown and smaller than my dog and shorter hair than my... I'm not really looking at Scout. I'm thinking about Scout, which is very frustrating.
2: Well, that... that, But I think that actually is really telling... I I mean, they say, like, there are certain people in conversations who are always waiting to talk and there are certain people who are listening.
1: You're Leno's.
2: But I... You're (laughs) Leno's. (laughs) That's the type of person. He's uh, just never quite listening. Hi Steve. Yes.
1: Go on. Finish, um, sorry. And that was the other type of people. But,
2: and then the the people who are listening. But yeah. I, I would argue that like <laughs> But I would argue that like I don't know, I feel like most of us are are quite selfish and need to need to relate something back to our lives. And I think that the more enlightened you get, the more okay you are with just listening to someone's story.
1: Just letting it be. And, and
2: not having to like like when we were writing the pilot of Crazy X, we did that just like reference my own uh, briefed, writing for just a second. I
1: um, love when that happens. We
2: wanted, I know, it's just, but, but it just really relates. No,
1: I really, I'm into it. That okay. wasn't phony balone. Oh. I love when people, my show's called Crashing, so you just say Crashing. But you don't want to say my crazy ex girlfriend every time.
2: Yeah. Well, it's Crazy Ex Girlfriend, so I would never say my crazy ex girlfriend. Sorry. No,
1: it's fine. I failed you. <laughs> Everyone, and I've seen the
2: show everyone calls it my crazy ex girlfriend and this is like the one time I feel okay, correct? Yeah,
1: no, get it out there. Lots yeah. of people are listening. Hey. Stop doing that, everyone.
2: I mean here's the thing. But I, I call I'd I you call all it. my
1: shows my like my I'm gonna watch my friends <laughs> I'm going to watch my crashing. I'm going to watch all my the Frasier. things. I'm, my Fraser is on. I it's like when old people works. get, and they go, I'm going to have my martini. You know what I mean? Like you ever hear an old person say, of course you have, you're Jewish. I'm going to have my martini. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. like a very specific thing. Well, it's thing. time to take my nap. My nap, it's time my time walk. Do,
2: time to do my laps. Ah! <laughs>
1: My stories.
2: My stories. My stories. Oh, yeah, that's the television shows. Is I, I got to watch my stories. That's it. Yes.
1: Yeah, specifically soap operas, I believe. Yes. I'm not sure. Because it feels
2: like ownership.
1: Yeah, my... Th- and that's why I never want to get to the point where I have my martini. Because that means it's just like I do it every day. It's like you become like a scout.
2: Uh-huh. Well, like, it's time
1: for my treat, my walk.
2: Dogs are all my, 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 my. Of course. My dog is such a selfish asshole. I was just talking to Katie about this. Um... Well my dog was giving me a very slow walk today cuz she knew I had to go. Ah. And so she was like walking very slowly, but last night we were outside and in my in my front yard and she started like barking at something and I thought it was a skunk. She's gotten skunk twice. Long story short, I wiped out, fell so hard on my tailbone and my dog I was like, oh,", oh, oh And my dog didn't give a, a shit. What do you mean? Oh, you fell? Yeah, I fell really t- hard chasing her to get her yeah. away from what I thought was a skunk, and I wiped can out. Me
1: stop with the fucking cats! Don't care. Dogs don't care no, either. Dogs don't give a shit. Dogs don't care. They
2: they they lick your. You know why they, they lick, lick your face? Your salty face. They salty face, and also it's an instinct from wolf puppies in the wild. When the mother comes back from a hunt, they lick her face to encourage her to vomit up the hunt food so they can eat it.
1: What? Mm-hmm. The.
2: So they're partially trying to get you to regurgitate Fuck. your food so they can eat it. Uh, they're they're disgusting.
1: Talk about my current ex girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> there's only ways to get it wrong. My
2: current ex girlfriend. My
1: current ex girlfriend. Talk about your girlfriend. Um, you were saying about writing. You were like, I'm going to talk about right, my own show. Right.
2: So so we were we were writing this. There's this character Daryl who's like the boss, and we wanted him in the first episode to come across as like kind of a lovable bumpkin including including making like a slightly anti, anti-semitic but like very just very ignorant jewish joke but at one point rebecca's like she says she's been to new york he's like i was in new york uh for a week once yeah i had this great pizza place and, and they start talking about the one place he ate in new york rather than like talk about what being in new york is like and yeah you, you run into those like this i feel like the smaller and smaller a town gets people don't actually want to hear about they just want to relate it speed to their agree. own experience.
1: Speed agree. Yeah. I've never agreed more quickly. I
2: like that term. And
1: a lot of people, I learned it from Laura Gutten, a writer. She'd go, speed agree. Speed agree. Like someone would start pitching something and in the middle she'd go, speed agree.
2: Well, someone would be like, oh, your new show. Speed agree. It's like, hey. <laughs> <"P-." laughs>
1: Wait, happened. where are you from? Boston.
2: Boston. Boston of course my whole f- my whole dad's had a family of Boston is games. that right mm-hmm. well
1: Lexington now if we want to get more specific
2: Somerville and Newton
1: my dad owns properties in Somerville
2: my grandpa was the town doctor in Somerville from the 30s to the 80s
1: I wonder if you ever my dad once stepped on a nail I wonder if he went and saw your your grandpa
2: honestly probably
1: he was the king
2: he stepped on a nail in Somerville.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's the only. If you're going to step on, if you step on one nail this year, do it in Somerville.
2: Let me do a retroactive <laughs> ad. If if you go back in time to the 30s through the 80s and you step on a nail, call on Doctor Philip Bloom. 30s through the 80s. 30s through that's the 80s. Practice. He was a maybe it was the 40s through the no it was the 30s through the 80s. Wow. Uh, call on Doctor Philip Bloom. He <laughs> he will take out that nail and sometimes not charge you. Really? Because this was before health insurance. Can I
1: throw some Yiddish at you? Please. What a mensch!
2: Very big mensch. Yeah. There's actually a great story that um, (laughs) there was this guy because it was like it it was a a really big like kind of working class Italian neighborhood. And there was this guy who was like, Doctor Bloom, you've you have uh, not given birth. You've you've been at the birth. Like you've you've been the doctor facilitating the births of like all seven of my children. You've never charged me a cent because he would just if you couldn't pay he would just do it. Really? Yeah. And – because back then you just paid family doctors and they would – anyway. And he was like, is there anything I can do for you?
1: Doctor uh, – oh, fuck. Doctor Hood. Doctor Hood. Like Robin Hood. Oh, yeah. Robin Hood MD doc- would have been kinda. more clear. Ooh. Yeah. He's a, I like he's that. He's a Robin Hood MD. You can use he that. He's a Robin Hood MD. Family reunions.
2: Uh, <laughs> Keep A going. lot of them are dead. <laughs> oh, um, so
1: many deaths. And they
2: was like Dr. Blue – and my grandpa was like, well, what's your trade? Because that was the time – when they said, what's your trade? Yeah. He's like, I make floors for bowling alleys. Whoa. And my grandpa was like, perfect. I need a new f- floor for my waiting room. Because he had a, an at-home practice. There was a waiting room in their house. Oh, wow. And so to this day in that house, apparently, there is a floor. There's a room with a bowling alley floor. No way. Yeah, like the same. Like little
1: lo- thin Little like, thinsies?
2: very glossy, very <laughs> very dangerous to walk on.
1: You have to, put you have on to wear on certain shoes, yeah, to wait. So yeah, the yeah. And the little arrows show you how to get to the doctor. <laughs> That's so fun. Just
2: smells of a beer and sweat all the time.
1: <laughs> Your prescription comes rolling out encased in one of the holes in the ball. <laughs> wow, three bottles of pills. That's a lot of fun things to riff on.
2: <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was like, okay, I what else? I call it out. What else is in this sketch? What? We- <laughs>
1: Well, think we could talk about uh, improv too because I, you said your improv go to is Perry, Perry Pally. That's like
2: one of the specifics, like Perry Gilpin. Like Perry I mean, Milpin. anything musical theater is an improv go to. I mean, anything to do, anything to do with like Eastern Europe. Like I remember, like I'll say like Lithuania. It's just like a fun. That's where I'm from.
1: My people. No, no bit. Really? Yeah, fifty percent.
2: But you're not Jewish, or you are?
1: No, that's why I, I like I just did an interview with an Israeli newspaper. Yeah. And I kept trying to get them to uh acknowledge that I was kind of Jewish just because I'm so Eastern European. Yeah, yeah. And very similar mother. You know what I mean? Sure. That's sort of not not necessarily a stereotypical Jewish mother, but like similar. Funny, mm-hmm. sharp, uh all the feelings come out, you sure. know what I mean? Nothing being withheld. And I even said that to them. I was like, I think it's like the the kind of goy tradition to like stuff down your feelings and be very polite sounds like it's a good thing it's actually not really a good thing it's more like hello Daniel and you haven't seen Daniel in 10 years (laughs) and he stole 50 you're looking well (laughs) he embezzled 50 grand from you (laughs) you're looking well Daniel (laughs) and I feel like in a Jewish family again these were painting with broad strokes there would be more like oh Daniel where's that 50 grand you owe me you know like a little bit more
2: yeah 100% it's like couched in a joke in a joke but it's like not rude in a joke so Daniel you still a piece of garbage you thirsty yeah yeah, yeah exactly and it's like i can't tell what you want from me
1: it's like there is no valve but with the with the waspy goys the valve is very tight yes and and when i dated a jewish girl and that was one of the first things i noticed about her family was when i saw her cousin give his father a noogie i was yeah. like oh we're different
2: <laughs> like oh, wow, my yeah. dad
1: would uh rip my human face off <laughs> And put it on a dog, or at least give me a look that made me think he would do that. He was never violent, obviously, but like you, you didn't fuck with my dad like that. And I
2: mean, he was known to rip people's faces no, off. No, no, Cause no. That's he, a specific that you didn't get from nowhere.
1: Well, that might be one of my improv go-tos. I was Just say, specifically you
2: know, human face on a dog. I did this.
1: <laughs> I don't know. That's a new one. That's fresh. But every once in a while, I mean, especially with musical theater, I remember I did. Uh, I think it wasn't a Eli- it was Eliza Skinner's show. Oh, of course, the rap show.
2: The, the beat down
1: The beat down mm-hmm. and I have this thing I'm trying to get over it where I want to do really well at everything. Does that make sense?
2: Y- yeah, of course. no but
1: in almost in the bad way. meaning uh-huh. now that I'm later, it's been 15 years of doing performance uh, for a living. I start turning down the shows where it's like, and then you improvise. We give you a word and you do your set. And I'm like, no, but what if I don't do well? Like, it makes it too uh-huh. risky. Uh huh. But back then, and I'm trying to get better. I just started saying yes to some of those shows. Oh, that's again. good. Yeah. Like improvised stand up? Improvised stand up. too
2: many of those shows. There's
1: a couple of those, Settlers, blah, 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 blah. There's one at the comedy store. That's the one I'm going to do. Uh huh. And, it, and it, like, it'll pain me. Like, I did improv with Lauren Lapkus and George Basil, two people on my show. And I still think about some of the sketches and how I. Not fucked up, but what I could have done—the Sure. The limitless possibilities. Sure. But I'll harp on it. Talk about OCD. My anxiety will latch onto that. Lauren did the scene. I probably already told the story on, on this podcast where she was in the window. Have you ever done improv at the Magnet? Uh. uh in New York.
2: I actually I've seen a lot of shows at the Magnet, but I've well, never done improv. There's a window of yeah. the Magnet that I know.
1: And she was in the window, yeah. and she was like,
2: "Oh, hello," like uh-huh.
1: like lounging in the window. And I just had nothing for that, like, and I I still replay that. I'm like, I didn't know how to.
2: But you haven't been doing improv a ton, so I it's know. it's a it, well, that's it, No, but it's a must. But it's a to like come improvising on set and character is different from like it
1: totally coming is. from
2: nothing. And, and, she, and she goes, "Oh hello," and you're like, "Ah, uh, hello."
1: I, I think I did something. I made her my crazy ex girlfriend. I'm sure you did. no bit. Well, that comes like, from
2: an emotional place where yeah, it's like you're feeling... Not bad. Because they say don't think, right? So it's like all you have time to do is feel. And so you're like, uh, okay, there's a crazy lady in a window. I want to establish a relationship. Oh, Heidi. Yeah. That makes sense. That's okay. Oh, Heidi. It's a bad scene. You know, I actually forgot
1: about that don't think thing. Yeah, you're it's not so supposed brilliant. to think. so brilliant. Because stand-up is all about fucking thinking sometimes.
2: Right. Not always. But the kernel of the idea, obviously you're thinking, but when you get those little, like, jolts of inspiration, which is not how I mean it's a myth that like all writing should feel effortless, obviously, but like those those kind of momentary jolts of inspiration where like that's an idea, that kind of comes from somewhere else than like then thinking the idea, editing it, pontificating on it, right? Say that last part again. Like <laughs> like pontificating like oh my gosh. Like if you have like the the nugget of like a new idea doesn't necessarily always come from like mulling it thinking about it it'll just come when you're in the bath or like when you're For on a walk sure. so that's like i think the that's theoretically in the ideal world where you should be at
1: when you're improvising when you're improvising yeah. where it's
2: just purely reactionary right. and that following the game becomes like breathing it's just like instinct why wouldn't you which is so hard because the cuz ucb teaches improv like it's writing. I mean, they teach they teach the technique of improv the same way they teach sketch, which is like find the game of the scene, heighten the game. And so it's counterintuitive to be like, don't think, or it's like, well, then if I don't think, then I'm ignoring the game yeah. and the pattern of funny in the scene.
1: Right. It doesn't make logical sense, no. but that's what makes improv so mysterious and wonderful. And hard. And magic. Yes. And hard. But it can really feel like magic because there is this uh, contradictory thing going on of yielding to the moment and just being emotional and mm-hmm. just being reactive and also going hey, I think we're doing the thing where my priest is an asshole. Like, that seems to be the game. But, you know, I've been going to some uh, sketch shows. My brother's been doing sketch and watching some of them. And the thing that I notice, not necessarily in his team sketch, because you watch, like, four or five groups, is that people often don't heighten. So that is mm-hmm. one of the things that you're mm-hmm. kind of like. Oh, I see. Like that was the kernel of the idea. Yeah. Was I'm the person that says something really nice and then says something really mean, and then you're like, "Well, what is the fruition of that pattern? Right. And how can we really like take it to another place? Sometimes it just happens once, and then the scene's over, and you're like, "That that seemed kind of like a waste."
2: It just kind of it just kind of harps on the same point. Um, because yeah, I mean, for me, it's like heightening is surprising the audience because once. What, I mean, talking about patterns, I feel like once the audience is like, Oh, I get this pattern, I can see what's gonna happen next, it stops being funny. Mm-hmm. And at the very most it starts to just be like, Oh, uh huh, no, I get that. I right. relate to that. Right. And so heightening is kind of synonymous with being like, Oh my god, that happened, I'm gonna laugh. Yeah, see, we both you? we both know that guy. <laughs> He's not here for me, but we both know him.
1: <laughs> yeah, we do know that guy. Yeah, he yeah, works yeah. at at midnight.
2: Is yeah. It yeah, it's Jordan. Should we get him, should we get Jordan in here?
1: You've had enough cameos on your podcast.
2: Aleem's going to be so see, excited that she's on this podcast. Just a
1: quick no can be so funny no, sometimes. Isn't, no, that, isn't no. that weird? No. That-
2: <laughs> can we get him in here? No. Absolutely not. Okay. That's fine. I'd Some, rather that.
1: Something decisive. Yeah. No, I'd rather
2: that. It's like in a writer's room where you pitch a bad idea. It's it's nicer to be like, okay, well, let's – maybe not that. I but know. it's it's so much more efficient to be like, mm, no. Um, I know. It's well,
1: Do you run uh, my crazy extra um, ah! work?
2: Uh, Aline, <laughs> Aline runs it because we're a network show, so we don't have the luxury of writing before we film. So we have- You're writing while you're filming. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, <laughs> it's really hard. It's really, really- It's fucking hard. I, I'm you, very jealous of cable shows. You can I'm in the writer's see room what's working
1: months. and then change it. Yeah,
2: so there's all- th- you. Mm, People really seem to like this boss guy. Yeah, you can't. Well, it's more to like write what is <laughs> fun for us. You, there's not really time to like react to the audience, but it, there's time to react to what we think and what we like seeing on on screen. Oh, because
1: you're watching it.
2: Because we're watching you're it. The show. So we have. I mean, Alina and I have actually. We're done with the overall arc of the third season because oh, she well. and I have just been writing and working. And then I have. I have two months in the writers' room when we're not filming. By then, we'll have finished five episodes. Then we go into filming and that's when it's like really crazy where I'm like my call times, you know, 530 a.m. And when I have a break on set, I'm going into the writer's room or I'm going into post. It's really hard.
1: I call it, uh, I I haven't had something that intense, but you get like coyote mode where you're like thin and kind of jolted. Yes. Yes. Coyote mode. Totally. It's hard to sleep. That's Mm -hmm. how I know I'm there.
2: I get so exhausted though.
1: Oh, I fall asleep quickly, but, uh, there, there needs to, well, now I just contradicted myself. It's harder to sleep.
2: Stay awake? It's, it's hard to stay asleep? Do you wake up with your thoughts spiraling? Yeah,
1: that's what it is. Aline, I'll fall yeah. asleep very quickly, but then I'll wake up three hours later with some idea nagging me or whatever. And and then I can't even imagine what it's like for you to Who's do crafts. Do you
2: have a co-creator, a co runner?
1: Honestly, I feel like we have a head writer, uh-huh. Judah Miller, uh, and we have a lot of wonderful people, but the thing the strongest relationship with the show, and Judah would agree, is Jada Judd and I, Judd Apidali. Oh, of course. And he and that's what I was gonna ask you is when you break the arc, it sounds like you're pitching that to Aline.
2: Aline and I are, are partners in this and, and really when I'm on set, she's uh I mean Aline is Aline is a like one of the top screenwriters in Hollywood. She wrote The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, wow. And a ton of, so you just spoke on the phone with um, the author of The Devil Wears oh, Prada. Oh, shit. I be, hope
1: I get her latte order right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've seen it. It's
2: pretty, it's pretty funny because Aline is, um, the, they interviewed Meryl Streep. It was like the 10-year anniversary of Devil Wears Prada, and Meryl Streep was like, Aline's writing is thoroughly unsentimental, mm. which is why I love working with Aline. She really is not, she looks at things very... She looks for like the what's the what's the what's the nugget of truth just beneath all of this. Help and me, help me
1: understand because that sounds very unappealing to me. That makes it sound like she and I love your show. Sure. And I like that movie. I can't really remember that movie. I saw it like ten years ago. It's a good movie. I believe it. But that sounds like she's not shooing away the emotion. Is no, she, not shooing oh, away okay. the
2: emotion at all. It's just not putting. um... Uh. Uh trickly stuff that feels like clammy and things that people wouldn't do. I mean, it's just being a good writer at yeah. the end of the day. And decisive. And decisive. And smart. Yes. And it, and Aline is just so good with, I mean, I've learned so much from her about story and story structure. And so like, ah, just the other day.
1: The a story person. Story's
2: hard, man. Well, that's,
1: see, Jed is the story person and we're always right. trying to get more story people because it's really, really hard.
2: It's hard because it's different from the pattern of sketch and it's something that you kind of can only... Learn by doing over and over. And Aline said something really interesting, which is like, you know, you, you think you think that story would be natural to us because that's how we record human history. I mean, the the, the Bible, it's a series of stories. Right. Like Every culture on Earth has so stories. Natural. It seems so natural. But somebody was giving notes natural. on the
1: Bible going, so, you like, you know, there was a network. Shouldn't
2: he resist sacrificing Isaac? Anybody? I'm just one. Yeah. I'm just wondering about Cain and Abel. Um could one of them be a lion (laughs) just because like we we find that the people really like stories about lions like lions are really hot right now yeah i know i and then it's like i get the note but he can't really be a lion because it has to be humans and lions can't talk (laughs) right 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 but what if it was like a talking lion
1: (laughs) what if abel when it's a sun sunrise turns into a lion so it's like a werewolf but for sun (laughs) and it's only when it's rising so there's like a 15-minute window where he's a lion every day.
2: Here's what I'm saying. We have the rights to the Greek god story of Zeus. We, we have the entire rights. Not, not the Roman gods. We don't have the rights to Jupiter. We have the rights to Zeus. Yeah. So Sony we have owns those Jupiter. rights. Sony owns Jupiter. Sony owns Jupiter. you have can, to
1: fold Zeus into the story. You have to
2: fold Zeus into so you, you. But don't say Venus. Aphrodite.
1: <laughs> don't say Venus. We will get sued. If we don't use what Zeus. What
2: if? I don't know. Aphrodite came down. And was like, "Hey Moses, I'm Aphrodite," and she's got these really big knockers, you know. <laughs> Isn't that? Don't you feel that that's
1: kind of mixing two stories? Like those are different worlds. Hey man. Hey man, is in the
2: story of Purim. I don't think we should <laughs> fold Aphrodite into that story either. Actually, I think that would actually really work in the story of Purim. Yeah, the whole Bible actually is could use kind of feels up. The, <laughs> the whole Bible could use a cleanliness punch up. The Bible's.
1: Got a lot of grit. To kind
2: it. of a rambling mess. Um, <laughs> it's very, very like. What are you trying to say? Because um, it's history. It's like they're trying to. It's it's stories mixed with like. Oh, also, this is our history. Well, we don't
1: understand any of the context. No, I'm actually reading. Rob Bell has a new book called "What Is the Bible," and it's really interesting because it's like, why are we? reading this without intense history lessons concurrently. You sure. can't just cause I completely agree. It reads like a snooze, it reads like a mess. But at the time, they're making like pop culture references. They're doing all these winks and nudges. It's like like it's the historical equivalent of like, oh that's a reference to the Super Bowl commercial where the guy turns back and throws the kid a Coke. You know what uh-huh. I mean? You're like, oh, but we read it and we're like, why
2: the fuck is there? A so cult? you're saying the like the Bible theoretically is like a Chuck Klosterman book?
1: Yes, exactly. Where it's
2: like it's it's constantly referential, it but to us it just stop. seems rambling.
1: Dennis Miller is one of the Jew- he's not Jewish. Shit is one of the people that wrote the Bible. <laughs> like Dennis- his ancestors. <laughs> like okay, Haman he was over in the Herodium, okay, <laughs> like, mixing times. <laughs> Mixing times. Do you
2: know the Bible really well?
1: Oh well, yeah. Have you never listened to this uh, podcast?
2: I uh, have, uh, uh, yeah, maybe not. You keep maybe calling I'm it like, my.
1: You made it weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Uh, that was that was a completely a joke question. I grew up religious, so I enjoy the Bible. Okay,
2: got it. That's why I was like talk about God in the Bible. And, oh yeah, and yeah, we do
1: it at the end because it's a real conversation what, stopper. What?
2: Sorry. What? What religion? Regular. No, no, like Protestant. Regular Lutheran. The regular one, <laughs> the one where you believe Jesus is the son of God. I think that's so funny that's great. to call it regular. The regular
1: one. It just means non-denominational Protestant Christian. Okay. Of course, I don't really think that's regular, but that's how we were. No, based. that's we're regular like, this for
2: is America. Normal. Yeah. Right. Of course. Well, there's
1: lots of different flavors. You're absolutely right.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I don't care about being like. In, I don't think intersectionality counts when you're talking about the different types of like white Christian. <laughs> like to call a Lutheran Protestant sensitive. they're like they're not like ha, there's not going to be a Jezebel think piece on that necessarily right
1: Lutherans are Protestants oh <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost positive that might be worth a See, Google I just don't... what if I'm wrong worth the Google
2: uh, Lutheran
1: it doesn't matter but so oh oh I, lo- I, I, I know was say a thing, little bit about the Bible
2: which is speaking of Jan who is the art director for Crashing yeah so I know him because his husband is like my best friend since I'm was sixteen. Oh wow! And I was just in France with Brendan, Jan's husband. Um, uh, and we were talking about like we were like it, we were in the Louvre, um, and we were talking <laughs> about like why because because
1: you're in the bathroom.
2: We were in the Louvre we were in the Lou together, <laughs> peeing into the same toilet, and good we piss were, like- and.
1: Wow! <laughs> wow!
2: Yeah! Wow. <laughs> yeah! yeah. Woo! Yeah! 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 yeah!
0: <laughs>
2: That's a great this sound. This Yeah! <laughs> yeah! I do that whenever someone pitches a joke that I love. <laughs> yeah! Um, and we were like, "Why? Because Europe is like way more secular than the United States. Like, it's it's a very important thing with like the French government that like there there is a true separation of church and state." And we were like, "Well." We're like, why why are one of the reasons that would be? And they're like, well, Europe has so much more history. You're surrounded by this constant history. And if you keep history in mind, you realize all of the times that you've let religion take over the state and how wrong it can be. Little reminders. Whereas here, it's like we're 200 years old. In California, everything was built in like the 70s. Right, right, So we have even like less of a grasp on like overall history. It's
1: the uh, country equivalent of you have no people.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. Right?
1: Like, we're doomed to repeat. And, uh, you know, the United States is the adolescent of the world. Like, we're the teenager that's like, get out of here. I want a slushy. We don't (laughs) give a shit. But you go to Europe and they're like, I remember when we were that way. Yes. Then the dark ages. Like, they they remember. Then that one
2: filthy rat killed all of us. Yeah. It's like (laughs) layers and context. Actually, I was in Israel last year and we had this tour guide who's super smart and awesome and – a perfect example is this: is we were walking through the old city in Jerusalem, and there was a sign that said "King David's Tomb," mm-hmm. and my husband and I were like, "Whoa, King David's Tomb! That's am- the King David." And he's like, "All right, well, let me explain."
1: Yeah, sure. So
2: what happened was during the Crusades, uh, the you know it was the it was the Christians against the Jews and, and Muslims during the Crusades. Yeah, and the
1: three great tastes that should taste great together. By the way.
2: They all come from the same books. They all come from
1: the same stock. They
2: should be amazing together. It's
1: like there's broth. There's broth with chicken in it. And then there's broth with chicken and onions in
2: but it. But basically the equivalent... <laughs> same broth. That's a great... Okay, so it's... So same that, broth. So what it is is though... Okay, so there's people who like broth. Yeah. And there's people who like the broth with chicken. And there's people who like the broth with chicken and onions. Basically then what happened was the people who like broth with chicken are super angry for some reason at the people who just only like the super plain thin, broth. yeah. And then the people with... Uh, chicken and onions are super angry and this is like a broad thing this is just like why people are sometimes religiously angry at other people at the people who don't have the who just have the broth or just have the chicken
1: yeah people were mad at one another
2: Jews love broth
1: and Jews if I may sure seem to be historically speaking sure the ones that are like hey I'm broth you know, yeah. have some broth, don't have some broth.
2: <laughs> yes. You know what yes. I mean? I know yeah, I'm yes. doing a
1: questionable, stereotypical voice. No, it's true. What a valid point.
2: I mean, a little bit inclusive at a certain point. Well, I think because there were just so few people. Because uh, there, there is a thing of like...
1: They didn't have the luxury of billions and billions and billions. No. So they were kind of like, look, we just want our broth over here. Just
2: give us a break. And But it, but now it is a little bit like, you can't have my... If you want my broth, you're going to have to work for it and ask me three times. Oh, my
1: God. It's hard. I completely get it. I completely get it. Like, the, the Jewish climate now... Yeah. And I, I've said this before. I've said almost everything before. Is that like, they don't need or want you, which is very threatening to me. I'm like, why aren't you trying to convert me?
2: Yeah, it's... It's just because that's not proselytizing is not like the the. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to chicken or the egg this shit because because inclusivity is part of it. I mean, especially when you get to like Hasidic Jews and and I was raised very secular. You know, like it's yeah. it's so I'm I'm so different from you know people who are like the black hats. You know, black hats and and. and Heavy coat. I don't My think high that's a had slur. White hats. <laughs> white hats.
1: <laughs> Just jocks with white baseball hats. Oh, got
2: it. I didn't know if that was like a <laughs> we called them the white a hats. Jesus thing. No, no, you no. You call no. them the white hats. No,
1: no, no. Yeah, the old white hats. Um,
2: but, but like black hats the idea sounds of it's includes... not
1: great. I it's wouldn't. It's
2: not great, but I've heard...
1: <laughs> if I saw some orthodox shoes, I wouldn't be like,
2: look at those black hats. But I've heard people who are practicing. Well, no, it's probably slightly a slur. I'm sorry.
1: I don't even think it's a slur as much as it's something that like I don't know maybe isn't. Uh something great. They're just so... Why? You're just so hot
2: all the time. I don't, well, that's a whole other thing. Uh, but, it absorbs
1: all the energy from the but, sun, like a wickin.
2: Yeah. Why wouldn't you wear... Well, that's a whole thing. I'm sure there's something in the Bible um, about it that I haven't read. There's um, something in
1: the Polish Bible. The Polish Sears catalog. Right. where this. This is great. And that was the Bible of the time.
2: Well, that's what it is, is that they're basically the... Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. I think the people who are... This is like drunk history right now. Yeah, it is. I think the people who are sitting and dressing like that, my husband knows a lot more about this because he was raised what we call conservadox, which is like oh. very, very strictly conservative Jewish. Like oh, wow. he, he wasn't allowed to celebrate Halloween.
1: Mm. So the Jehovah's Witness of Jews.
2: Yes. the Yes. Yes. Yeah. The Jehovah's Witness of Jews. Jehovah Witness. Jehovah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Je- uh, I was trying to find a pun for witness. 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 The only witness. thing I could think of was waitress, but that's not really a Jewish thing.
1: Jewess. Jehovah's, Jehovah's
2: Jewess. <laughs> We're just slowly devolving. When it's so bad,
1: when it's so bad, Jehovah's it's almost perfect.
2: Jehovah's Jewess. <laughs> Jehovah's Jewess.
1: It's so bad. It makes me a little bit ill. So you're saying- Oh, I don't
2: know. No, we Who can't knows? let that go. We talked about it for 10 what minutes. Was I, what was I saying?
1: We're talking about- he was Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the overall thing was you- ah, fuck. Why
2: can't we all just like be people, you know-
1: well, I mean. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. So, we were the, right, the Crusades.
2: Were... St. David's tomb. King right. David's tomb. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, I got it. Okay.
1: We need we're to. We're in
2: Israel. King David's tomb. And we're like, that's amazing. And our tour guide, Shani, is Shani. like, Shani. He's like, okay, well, it's not. And He, he has an Israeli accent, but I'm, I'm going to just do my own voice to so that it's not hat on a hat. Um, yep. He's like, all right, here's what happened. Christians came here during the Crusades and they needed to start claiming stuff. And so the Christians theoretically pointed to a spot and they were like, yeah, that's um yeah. That's King David, that's where King David's buried. And so the tomb you're looking at was built during the crusades. That's right. But that in itself is very interesting history. Is it holy? Is it religious history? No. Is it interesting history that shows you how religion gets built in mythology? Gets built, yes. And so when you start to peel back those historical layers, yes. If you're like,
1: "This is our story, and that's where it happened," that's way better. That was like a huge currency back then.
2: Yes, and so even going back further, you know, the big thing in Jerusalem is fighting over the um, the Dome of the Rock, where Abraham uh, was about to sacrifice Isaac, which is big in all three religions.
1: All three soups,
2: Islam. All three soups. Yeah, it's the um, it's like the coriander.
1: The coriander. Yeah, I'm just naming a
2: spice you could put in a soup. Oh. It's the first spice that came to mind. Wow! Yeah,
1: improv gun loaded mm, coriander. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go turmeric,
2: which probably comes from. Well, oh, this dog is it. having some dog dreams right now.
1: What do dogs dream about? This podcast. Yeah, while they're listening to this yeah, podcast, while very
0: sleep.
1: confusing. I couldn't sleep if there were two dogs in the room. Like, <laughs> raw, 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 raw. like, I'm <laughs> just gonna take a break. <laughs> <laughs> raw, raw, raw. I- yes, <laughs> Oh, you woke oh, up. She woke up. She woke up. Um. So the history and the coriander, all three religions agree oh, on the dome, so on the rock. So what happened.
2: King David went to conquer Judea. This is in the Bible. He needed to rally the troops. And he was like, that is where Abraham sacrificed Isaac. Because King David did exist. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying Abraham didn't exist. I think he did. I don't know. It's a whole thing. But he was like, uh, that spot. That spot's where Abraham conquered. So the, the foundation of all of these... Three made all the three major world religions. This one spot that yep. is heavily contested was because King David was like, "That's where it happened." Yeah, yeah. So then, even that is like, you know, talk about like trying to find like the actual facts. We talk about like alternative facts. Like, what's the fucking truth? Did that even happen? And suddenly these. These things that flawed humans decide are made holy and sacred.
1: You know what's interesting to me, though, is I I jumped to a lot of things. One, the Buddhists did this too, where they're like, this is the Bodhi tree that uh, mm-hmm. Siddhartha achieved enlightenment under, which we're not sure if it is. Mm-hmm. And and I would argue that that's not the right question. While it's historically very interesting that King David was just kind of arbitrarily saying this is a place and now we're all fighting over it. Sure. So that's a literal interpretation of something that really is just kind of um, sanctimonial. What do I mean? Um, liturgical. Uh huh. So Jesus eating bread and saying, hey, this is like my body. It's just like you and I... Could say, and this is for some reason very pleasant to human beings. Could say like this pillow that's between both of us. That's the pillow that was there at our podcast. Uh, you know what I mean? And make yeah. it mean something. And for some reason, it doesn't. It's just a fucking pillow. Uh-huh. But we can pour meaning into it. Sure, the, the
2: meaning. Uh huh.
1: The problem comes when you and I stop being friends in ten years, and then we have a war over this pillow. Right. When it was like, guys, we were just picking a spot, and whether or not Abraham was a real person or not, we needed a figure to represent. <clears throat> the seed that began
2: the Jewish people. But then it becomes so literal rather than... Of course, it gets Rather ruined. than, like, spiritual and where it's like it doesn't... King David wasn't doing that to literally be like, this is the spot we need to fight over. He was doing that to inspire his troops. Like, he was doing that to be like, no, no, right. no, this... Look at this. It's a It's a symbol and it's right. kind of a knowing symbol, but it's when you take the symbolic stuff and you try to, like, literally... Well, make it literal. Exactly. Make it literal. Are you trying to make it literal?
1: No, Um, I know. I I went to the old city (laughs) as well and experienced, (laughs) excuse
2: me. Do you need water? Because we have a lot of
1: water. Has water ever helped in a cough situation? Yeah.
2: It helps me all the time. (laughs) Like constantly. I'm going to drink some now. I just need
1: a moment. You know what I mean? Just give me a moment. Leave water out well, of it. Well, let
2: this. me tell you a fun fact while you're taking a moment. Hit it. About the Bible. Mm. Uh, my husband and I. Dan Greger. Dan Greger. My husband, Dan Greger, who I call Greger uh, because everyone call, we were friends first. And I call him, him Greger. What?
1: Mike Greger. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. Mike Greger. Mike Greger. Do you know him from New York?
1: I know Dan. Uh, he subbed an improv class of mine once.
2: Oh, that you were taking.
1: Yeah. He taught me one improv class.
2: At where? At the Magnet?
1: At UCB. Am he I wrong? subbed
2: in an improv class? Ooh. What if I'm, I,
1: now I'm having a flash of what if I'm wrong.
2: Ooh, I'm going to fuck him extra good <laughs> now. He's an improv teacher at UCB. I didn't know he was teaching. I thought for sure he, it was him. Was it a, a sketch class? or He could have subbed in improv class. Because I
1: know who Dan Greger is. He's
2: good at improv.
1: And Dan Greger goes to, a, used to go to a bar in my neighborhood. I would always see him. Which there. one? Ye Rest Again.
2: Oh, Am yeah. I wrong? We lived next to Ye Rest Again.
1: Okay. For he a would second, go there. I thought I was no, no, no. For two, I didn't know Dan if you Greger were talking facts. about New
2: York. But yeah, we live next to while. I long used time. to
1: admire. He seemed to be that guy that would go and just kind of hang out, like yeah. not necessarily be with a group of people. I hope I'm not outing.
2: No, no, he would be with a group of people.
1: Oh, I didn't necessarily mean he was just getting there, getting loaded. But he just seemed to go and like kind of talk to who was there, like he's float friends around. A lot of, he's
2: friends because he's friends with like a lot of different. He makes friends with everyone. He's a
1: really great. Well, I actually meant that as a compliment. Yeah. I've always had that fantasy. I mean, he's also
2: an alcoholic, but... but Why can't I
1: just go and enjoy whoever's there? Like, he seemed like that kind of guy.
2: Like, someone would text him, like, we're at Rustic, come over. And then, like, chances are it would be, like, a bunch of different groups of people that night would be at at Rustic for, like... You can't... I can't
1: go to you, Rustic, and not run into people that I know. So that's that's what I projected onto Dan and went, oh, that's what he's doing. He just goes knowing that someone will be there.
2: No, he never did that, but that's not a bad idea.
1: Hmm. Well, then I one time... Oh, my God. Not full circle because we're not done. Yeah. But you just saw me do what we were talking about earlier, which is one time I saw Dan. One time. And
2: you make it about yourself.
1: At the bar. Pff, I do that all the time. <laughs> but I saw him at the bar drinking a beer and he was clear, obviously looking back waiting for the people he was meeting. Sure. He arrived a couple minutes early and I go, Dan goes to bars alone. <laughs> We are so stupid. It is a wonder we do anything. <laughs> it's
2: unbelievable.
1: It's unbelievable. And the more I
2: learn kernels of things, the stupider I realize I am. Tell me. I just learned what the NASDAQ and the Dow and the S&P meant last night.
1: Don't tell me. I want to go my whole life without knowing.
2: And no. And to be honest, the more I learn about it, the I'm like, oh, I've gone my whole life not knowing that. And now I, I'm i even more confused.
1: Yeah, Nasdaq, I just I w- I wanna stay in that childlike place where I just think it's a, a car that races. <laughs> but in the backseat there's like dozens of receipts. Sure. <laughs> and they're flying out the window as they take her, Oh, the NASDAQ's up. Like that's what I want to think they're doing. And the Dow is a chemical plant yeah. that also, you know, you can invest in it.
2: And S and P also means standards and practices. So I like to mean the S and P is just like how many yes. how many like um euphemisms for vagina are allowed on network TV Speaking, in a particular week.
1: I mean, I'm fascinated that your show, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend,
2: yeah, thanks, man,
1: <laughs> went from a Showtime pilot. Yeah, this is what happens. This is when people's pilots don't get picked up. We go like, well, you never know. And that never happens. Yeah, well, and you it, say that like you say, maybe your dead dog will come back. You know what I mean? It's y- terrible.
2: Yeah, Aline said something where it was like, it's the like the the official Hollywood state of morning phrases. We're shopping it around.
1: Yeah, it's
2: just the saddest. But once thing.
1: you get someone to, it happened with Mulaney too. Mulaney went from NBC to Fox, so it does happen from yep. time to time. But it almost, if you pitch, if you write a show and shoot a show, you kind of think, well, if the people that paid for it pass, maybe they'll let us go and shop at other places. Yes, but that never happens. But it happened with you. They
2: always let you. I mean, I think 90- I've heard of
1: t- stories where they're Sometimes, like, "We own it. It goes in the vault next to the Ark of the Covenant." You
2: know what? That is true. That is true. And
1: Are Lutherans a lot of- Protestant? No. They're not? Look at that. They're Catholic?
2: Yeah, they're it's like a it's like lesser Catholicism, right? It's like Catholic light.
1: Sorry, guys. Sometimes Pete's wrong. Actually I'm wrong all the time. Somebody do a supercut. I'm just kidding. <laughs> of all the times it. you're wrong. Someone will do it. it. I don't want to hear that. Don't do that. Do it for yourself, but don't send it to me.
2: Um I feel like I've been wrong. Billions. It's like a bil- No, literally billions of times.
1: I made Val laugh so hard the other night. I-, I was wrong about something. Also,
2: congrats. You just got married, Thank right?
1: you. Engaged.
2: Oh, shit. We're engaged. You're in- you just got engaged. Like a gear. When are you getting uh, married? It's a Seinfeld bit.
1: Uh, October. Yay. Yay. If we really hit it off, you can come and enjoy the buffet.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Is this an audition to be invited to your wedding?
1: <laughs> it is weird when you're inviting people oh. to the wedding because you're like, you'll hang out with someone that you weren't going to invite and you're like how was I not going to invite this guy but like
2: that happened with our wedding we invited really? a couple people who we had just hung out with we're like they'll be great and yeah. actually they were
1: yeah it's good to have a couple randos
2: yeah there there were definitely a couple people who like i was hanging out with a lot of the time who now i never see that i was like oh my god they were right they were there wow they yeah. were at my wedding
1: that's really funny but it's
2: also a way to solidify if it's if there are people who you're like i want to be better friends with this person Inviting them to your wedding is a good way to like create that bond forever.
1: Yeah, that's true. Remember, I was at your wedding. Yeah. Like, that's something you say if you really like. Uh, I wish I could, if, if I were a better improviser, I could remember the name of the guy we riffed earlier in the Jewish family that embezzled $50,000. Oh, fuck, I don't remember that's him like, either. You were at my wedding. You know what I mean?
2: Uh huh. I don't Do remember you his name. still either.
1: remember moments in improv where you blew it. <laughs> Yeah, Where someone comes out and there's like, I was calling back the president oh, and yeah. you immediately said, not too much off the top. I was the president, not a barber. <laughs> like you fucked it, fuck the perfect ending to the sketch, I, the scene, I, the herald. I,
2: I remember a lot of stuff from like being a, like a like a, an improviser starting out. Like 201 at UCB was the most terrifying place to be. because it was, that? Because it was like you're just getting a handle on what improv is, but then you're expected to suddenly start like doing scenes. Whereas like 101's is very coddled and... And, um, I just remember being in a scene about like thieves and then someone went into labor and I was like, no, no. And then the teacher was like, yeah, so if someone went into labor in front of you, you know, just act like a person. Yeah. Like there was so, there was so many times when I was improvising that I was like, I was thinking, I was like, how should I be funny? How should I be funny? And I wasn't just reacting like you would in that scene. And that's when it's really scary where you, you're like, how do I walk? How do I move? How do people do things? Yeah. Because, like, they say don't think, but then you go to see the shows and people are fucking hilarious. So it's fine for them to say don't think.
1: Right. They're naturally funny people. But
2: they're they're naturally funny people and they've been doing this for so long that you want to be like them.
1: That's why so many great improvisers are just, like, people that you can't help but laugh at. Like, Mm -hmm. they're just, like, them just saying, I'm here for the audition, gets them the part. Yep. You're just like, this guy's amazing.
2: He's hilarious. That's why
1: I totally get that. So we were talking about shopping it around, though, because I am very interested in the idea that your pilot... Shot half hour for Showtime. I'm yeah. sure you've told this story before, blabbing and boring. But I'm just saying. No, happened?
2: I'm happy to. I'm happy to. To I'm happy to tell you
1: to reheat it.
2: So we shot this <laughs> pilot for Showtime. It it was great.
1: You pitched it just as it kind of is.
2: We pitched it. Well, we so when we pitched the show, you we went to eight. When me when Alina and I pitched the show, we went to eight different cable networks. We were like, this is a cable show. There's no way this is a network show. And we pitched the arc of the entire series because Aline is a screenwriter. And she was like, I don't want to make a TV show. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was a movie she wanted to write. Mm-hmm. We got together because she saw my internet music videos. Mm-hmm. It was a blind date. And so she she's like, I have no interest in doing a sitcom that spits out copies of itself. I want a story with a trajectory. I want to write a comedy with a dramatic-like, a drama series-like plot.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so we pitched... Like the overall arc of the series and yeah. then a little bit of the pilot and the characters. Wow, that's so funny. So we, and I it's, was just... Yeah, it's how the sh- we know how the show ends. It's a four-season show. Really? Mm-hmm. That's so funny because I, I was just yesterday
1: in the shower thinking about how I've been told many times when you go in to pitch something, have it all mapped out, yeah. like what you're saying. Yeah. And I was like, here I am with a show, which I'm s- super excited about, obviously. And I'm like... We're kind of—it's not that we're figuring out where as we go along, but a little bit. Like if in the pitch they were like, "What happens in season two, I could have given them a, an answer about what I think is generally happening. But
2: it's different though, because ours has like a real like every season. It's very very plot driven. We're like there is an end to this story. Whereas y- your show is your about girl a is period on a quest. of. She's on a quest. It's a. It is a. She's going to it's get It's a finite this guy. story. It's yeah. a finite story. We're making a fifty-hour movie in our head, right? Whereas you're telling more like a bunch of different stories about it's a person in like their life. It's exactly. like life.
1: It can end whenever it's, you want. It's different. <laughs> like, it's
2: just, it's just different. Like, it's, and so when you're pitch, pitching something with trage- a trajectory like ours. Like yeah. I mean, three places wanted to buy it. Ooh, and we went with, sh- we went, we bidding went with Showtime. For... I mean, why Showtime? it was a bidding skirmish.
1: <laughs> why Showtime? It was a bidding dust up.
2: Showtime loved it. And they committed to what's called a put pilot, which is like, if we don't make this, we will give you money. Yeah. So we went with them. Yeah. And we were also like, this feels like a Showtime It's like early
1: decision, but the college applies to you.
2: Ooh. Ooh. Where where can I take your master class?
1: (laughs) You're taking it.
2: Okay, great. Do you take card?
1: (laughs) Of course. I have tile.
2: Great. (laughs)
1: Well, oh, wait, what do I mean? Square. No, no, square.
2: Shit. Tile is the thing you put on your uh, yeah, phone to I find things. I have that on my keys, too. Use Tile. it almost every
1: day. Now really? I don't even think about that. Really? I just send a chime. Do you
2: lose your keys every single day?
1: Todos los Yes.
2: Really? That's great. <laughs> um, not really. Not <laughs> that didn't, much. I haven't used it yet. I
1: use it to find my phone more often. So Showtime loved it. They give you a put pilot. Put pilot. And we like, may- we'll give you cash.
2: Yeah. Even
1: yeah. if we don't do it. Yeah,
2: which is amazing. And you should and- have half the hour half hour long half story short hour. we made the pilot it was great they somewhere along the line lost their boner for it it was a whole thing where like they loved it and then they suddenly didn't but the whole time the whole experience with no them
1: change of regime or n- anything no the was whole kind of classic i don't
2: know reasons. but the, you know priorities change you know it's also like not about sometimes about the show it's about like what they want their network to be or whatever sure. I, I don't know
1: no, you're absolutely right.
2: You know, where it's like, what's our brand? What's the thing? Blah, 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 So, but but the whole experience working with them up until the moment they passed was lovely. <laughs> like, yeah. we weren't over noted. It, it was a really lovely experience. It was Showtime. Yeah. Um,
1: Get it? It's
2: not TV. Get it. And it's not HBO. <laughs> it's Showtime. It, it's, it's Showtime. <laughs> That's their slogan. It's not HBO. It's Showtime. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. It's not TV or HBO. It's Showtime. It's Showtime. It's showtime. So, then we...
1: So devastating, though. Let's it, not skip over the ice cream It was Sunday. hard. It also
2: happened to be basically the week I got married.
1: I was just going to say, where's Dan Grigor in this? Alone at E. Rustic? What, <laughs> <laughs> waiting what for, an alky.
2: <laughs> just waiting. My, my, wife's, my girlfriend's a failure. <laughs> I will literally fuck the first person who comes <sighs> in here. Who's getting? Ah. Who has a TV series actually made? What a loser. <laughs> no, it was the week of my wedding, and it wasn't like Showtime wasn't like, "Ha, it'll be the week of a wedding." It's just it was late not. January. In fact,
1: that helps me understand how impersonal it is. It's
2: very impersonal. You know what I mean? It's they had, just, exactly. They yeah. had nothing against me. Um, I was actually at Bloomingdale's returning some wedding gifts that we didn't want when I like got a call from the head of Showtime. When they
1: returned a gift they didn't want.
2: <laughs> well it was a gift they didn't want that they paid four million dollars yeah, 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 for yeah, yeah. so that's that's what's weird flawless victory it's like a it's oh you know what it is it's giving someone a gift it's giving someone a car and then being like actually mm, i need the car back
1: yeah i see and you kind were at bloomingdale's and you got the call
2: and i got the call and, from and
1: a bunch of agents
2: no no, no no i had already knew they passed and he was just calling to like talk me through it it was like really sweet
1: how did you know? How did you find out they passed?
2: They passed the week of my wedding, and I was in Mexico, and Aline was not in Mexico because we had two. I had, this is a whole other thing, but I had two weddings. I had a family dinner, and then I had like a thing in Mexico with just friends. Need it? Um, it was
1: what? Great! A brilliant idea. It was
2: my favorite thing. Val and I talked ever, about it. it. Can I say we? It it's we called it the two state solution, and wow. for numerous reasons, and it's. It was the single best decision we've ever made. Wow. Because we're in Mexico at this hotel with just our friends, and they're like, wait a second. No one's complaining. It's yeah. all just a bunch of our friends. And and the staff at the no hotel convention. was like, This is amazing. No cavelling. No cavelling. Like <laughs> also then we were already technically married, so I wasn't stressing out. Yep. Uh I wore the same dress, except I had like a dress like extension for the second one. Yep. Um, And I remember it was, like, raining the day we got married at first. And they were like, okay, if it rains, here's what we're going to do. And I was like, whatever, man. I'm having the time of my life. You do you.
1: Beautiful. I just didn't give a shit. Brilliant.
2: It was just wonderful. Anyway. This is
1: Val and I's second wedding? Yeah. Marriage? second marriage. Yeah. And uh, so I don't feel any pressure to invite all the people that might be complaining and like the weird old table. Great. You know what I mean? So I hope like I make the joke. It is a joke. Mom, dad, brother, if anybody hears this, I'm like the only people that I don't want there that are coming are my family. Yeah. (laughs) But there's only three of them and my cousin (laughs) Raymond who I love and I love my brother and I love my parents and I feel like they'll be so greatly outnumbered You know what I mean? Like, that sort of uh, negativity needs someone to bounce off of.
2: Not to... And they'll
1: love it anyway. They're not even going to be negative. It depends what
2: kind of family you have. I think that, like... And I'm not necessarily to sell it to sell out my family or my husband's family. do it. Not to sell them out. But, you know, I'm just saying in general, it depends what type of family you have. Like, if your family is the type that can be chill in a place in Mexico, like, taken to Mexico.
1: What is it the... What is your... Dan's family... What is it? You said paradox, orthodox, oh, ortho- conservative. Well,
2: that's the whole thing, though. His dad's Israeli, so his dad's like non-religious because Israelis, by and large, are not. They're secular. Yeah, because Israel was started as a basically secular communist thing in the twenties. That's mm. when people really started to live there. It's the ten whole thing. years
1: before your grandfather was giving people checkups. People in check up taken for flora. taken
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How okay. time flies. So
1: you so we took the pilot did around the separate weddings. We
2: oh yeah. Brilliant. So, so then we sent the pilot to what, literally India every Lynch? network. What?
1: <laughs> oh, you mean the script? Yeah. yeah. No,
2: no, the show. The the film pilot. But you
1: you didn't tell me where you were when you found out and what happened. Oh, I'm sorry. When, when Here's what happened.
2: Go. It was the week of my wedding. Aline already knew, but she was like, No one tell Rachel while she's in Mexico. I was about to leave Mexico. I called Aline and I was like, So and she goes, Yeah, they passed. So I found out technically in Mexico, but that was my choice to call Aline. Sure. But they te- literally, it was like my plane left the ground, and they called to say they were passing. Wow. And Aline said my to my reps, no one tell her because I was making it a point not to really check email or, or anything. I gave Aline the hotel number, and I said only call me if they pick it up. Right. And so I was like, I kind of in the I've back been of in my that head, situation. Yeah, it's Where like- I was
1: about to tape a stand-up special, and I was like, don't tell me if they passed on this other thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. You just just don't tell me. Yeah, so that way, it's after. in the it's like kind of in this middle ground where you're like, hey, it doesn't look good, but who knows?
1: And what did it feel like? You just got married, and then they passed on this thing that you just worked
2: I just, on. I kind of knew it was going to happen, but then I had a lot of hope of it. What getting... were the
1: hints that it wasn't going to happen?
2: The notes call uh, oh. after after the first the first uh, we were so proud of the pilot, and then just you could tell the notes call they something they didn't happened. get it something, something happened Something
1: didn't line up
2: something didn't line up and.
1: Like, your favorite joke was like, could you lose that joke? You're like, that's the joke that sets the tone for the whole thing. Well, series. you know
2: what is that? The show ultimately does have somewhat of a network sensibility in that it's ultimately optimistic, especially the end of it feels very emotional. I mean, I know that saying Aline isn't a sentimental writer, but she's an emotional writer, as am I. And it ends on this, like, hopeful thing. And it's not this There, – there is something – and I'm not saying – this is necessarily Showtime, but there is this thing that's very in vogue with cable shows to be like, this person's a piece of fucking garbage, and they're jerking off onto a fucking little girl's face, and they're sticking needles into their ball sack, and right, oh, look at this right. show. These people are horrible. They're just right. all horrible. You've that's seen our-
1: Billions. That's- <laughs> <laughs> I, that was just a joke. I, have not, I, just seen, I thought- have not seen Billions. I've seen the first season of Billions. Nothing like that happens. Okay, <laughs> But it's a fun title.
2: Oh, it's a good title. It's a good punchline title. Yeah, I mean, Billions is a lot of money. Um, <laughs> so,
1: I know what you mean. So they, they wanted it so gritty. They, I don't
2: even know if that's what they wanted, but at yeah. the end of the day, we have empathy for our characters. The show's about the pursuit of happiness, and we want to show people getting happiness. And so I wonder if there was a little bit of like, I think it was a little lighter than they thought. And we So we sent the pilot around. To other networks because I really thought it would get picked up somewhere else. So
1: immediately there was no question of, like, can we show it somewhere else? You were like, we know we can. We own it.
2: Well, no. It was the thing of, like, we're going to send it and let's cross that bridge. Ooh, ask for
1: forgiveness instead of permission. Yeah. Here's a private Vimeo link. I think so. Password, don't tell Showtime. I
2: kind of think. Is that what we do? (laughs) Is that what we do? (laughs) Uh, Whatever. I don't care. You're Um, kind of in that place
1: where you're like, you kicked me out anyway. What do you care if
2: I come back
1: for my plates? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah that's right? true who
1: cares you broke up with me i'm coming back well it's like when you're
2: when your ex-girl when you dump someone but then they start dating someone else it's like you dump them mm-hmm. but anyway so there was no but there was no real pushback from showtime yeah the thing that really hurt was when we got eight rejections in one day whoa that was the day that i so you
1: sent it to so many places
2: you know every time you have a show you have a show rejected you have a show. Everyone goes. Uh, or, or we sent it to every place, and it was funny because then it, it got rejected. And then the days after, everyone was like, You know what? There's this new network, Amazon. Uh, or there's this new network, Netflix. And we're like, oh, I never heard of them. It's yeah. like, Of course, we sent it to Amazon yeah. and Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do yeah. you think we're moron? Yeah. We sent it to, I could name all of the places that passed on our show. And one of the places said that they just thought it would be edgier. The original pilot had a handjob blowjob scene. So I so what I think what they meant by edgier was again that like
1: you mean a handjob that becomes a blowjob yeah my character if it's a blowjob that becomes a handjob that's a bit of a letdown
2: that, well you know sometimes you want to mix it up
1: yeah sometimes no, you're
2: sometimes you gotta cough ideally you
1: want both at the same time
2: ideally you want both at the same time <laughs> sometimes there's something fun to being able to look into someone's eyes
1: yeah well you you, you, you can do that either way oh <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true you're right no I know what you mean I know what you mean fair <laughs> point you can talk.
2: Yeah, you could talk. <laughs> you could talk and you don't have to be like, Puh. Yeah, exactly. Is this good? Um, so I think the note behind that note is like, oh yeah, again, it's this like optimism. Because we end it on this it's like so dark funny. optimistic level. Um,
1: they didn't, people weren't vibing with the joy of it?
2: I don't That's know. So Here's a list of all the places that passed. Hit it. Showtime, HBO, Netflix, Amazon, Epics. TV Land, stars, um, uh, oh yeah, uh, FX, IFC, AMC. Wait, that's ten. Um, uh, no. uh, Theoretically MTV, but like they'd wanted to buy it, and it's just so MTV after. Um, So you know, you just get passed on in one day. Most of them, yeah. Wow. Well, some of them were people who didn't want to buy it originally. And so that's also places. But it was like in one day I heard from FX, Netflix, Amazon, um, HBO, MTV, Comedy Central, um, Epics was later, Stars was later, TV mm. Land was later. So maybe it was like seven, six or seven in one day, wow. but either way, it was that day that I that I was like, I don't think this show's going to happen. And I remember crying. Yeah, I was going to say, what does Rachel? What does Rachel Bloom do
1: when you get eight notes?
2: Well, I sat, I sat with my husband because I I thought the show was going to go to series. Um, a couple months before, and we wanted to buy a house, and I like burst into tears, and I was like, I'm so sorry, we can't buy a house now. Mm. I was like, I'm so 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 sorry. I thought we could buy a house, and I kind of, I basically. Did you already
1: have a house you wanted?
2: No, but, um, we wanted to buy one and then I, I'd spent a lot of money on the wedding. I We basically, we semi paid for our own wedding. Like I, it's a long story, but I paid for like the majority of my wedding dress, which was an expensive wedding dress. Cause I thought I was going to be like a big Showtime star. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I'll get like a writing job as soon as possible. Like, and he wasn't asking me to apologize. It was just like all of the things I thought I was about to have, like I didn't have, um, and so I mourned the show and then a couple weeks later, Aline was like, hey, I, you know, I just saw the pilot of Jane the Virgin and I got to say, I think CW – because we hadn't contemplated sending it to networks because it's a job scene. And she's like, let's try and send this to the CW. And the CW is partially owned by CBS, who is our studio. And we sent to the CW. We had – they loved it. We had a meeting with them where they were like, could you rewrite the script to fit like an hour? They weren't like change the tone. They were like, obviously, we can't show a hand job. Can you rework that scene, though, and just push the boundaries as much as you can Mm. with SMP? Like, we'll work it out. Um, Push and
1: pull the boundaries back and forth. Just push and pull the boundaries. Use a little
2: bit of spit. Um, (laughs) Make sure to, yeah. Touch the tip. Um, <laughs> well, that's the where tip the sensitivity of, is. of, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> that's what they say in the notes? Yeah, touch well, the tip. Well, that's where the sensitivity is.
2: That's what, obviously. We need to like, see that. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we had a, um, in doing, before we were doing the Showtime Palette, we had a big debate in the production van about, about the handjob scene. And I asked our director, Mark, I was like, so I should spit in my hand, right? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? And we had this huge debate about handjobs and like the right way to give a handjob and at one point I got a text from my line producer being like, you guys need to stop talking about this. Like, this is how people get sued. And Alina really? was saying, "And but it was fine. And Aline was saying it would have been the only time that a teamster sued an actress. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, then it, they were like, we may, so they're like, write a script. We were like, when you need the script. And they were like, eh, June. And this was like April. And we were like, oh, okay. So like, this might happen, might not. And Aline and I were going to work on a movie. And I was like, you know what? Can we just like do the CW notes now? Turn it in now, and that way it's done, and we're not thinking about it. And she was like, "Yeah." And we do the notes. We turn it in in a week, and we're like, "We we know we won't hear for months." The week after that, we get a call. Aline. The week after that, I get a call from Aline saying, "Okay, don't freak out," but this is like May. This is late April. She's like, "The CW just got all their pilots back, and they're not like they're not happy with their pilots right now. We are being considered for fall." Oh, wow. And she's like, we might know tomorrow. And I was like, what? And she's like, they want us to do these notes. They have little tiny notes. And meanwhile, all of the CW executives were, I think, in a hotel room in New York because upfronts were coming up and they needed something to announce. And so Aline and I do the notes. uh, And then the next day I'm at Robot Chicken because I went back to writing at Robot Chicken. And I get a call from Aline saying, what are you doing right now? And I said I'm a robot, teacher. and she goes, "Do you want to do you want to meet me for a drink to celebrate our serious pickup?"
1: <laughs> oh my god! And and you it, kick Seth Green in the face. <laughs> well, do it was Pretty great
2: because it was a writers' meeting where I had just pitched a sketch, a musical sketch starring all the Disney princes called Stinky Dicks, uh, where it's a song <laughs> where they sing about all of how all their dicks are, dicks are stinky, and they go, "We all have stinky dicks, stinky <laughs> dicks," because all of those movies take place in you know the medieval of time course. where dicks were all stinky. Right, right. right. And that's the real beast. And everyone. <laughs> <laughs> tail as old as time. <laughs> mm. I
1: like to think of that was T-A-I-L.
2: Tail as, like old, as, tail as, you know, as
1: well, old as, as time. Like they're getting tail as Well, and if you
2: put your dick between your legs, it can look like a tail.
1: It sure can. A very disappointing <laughs> ball surrounded tail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Out the walk- water. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, um, stinky dick, I had just gotten stinky dinks, pa- stinky dicks passed on. I was really upset about it. Cause I was like, guys, this is gold. You don't know what you're missing out on. I get the call. I go back into the writer's room and I'm just like, I quit. <laughs> they're no, all my friends. They're all my dear. So
1: they're all like my dear what, what friends. Was and it like they... going back? Was that a sad day to go? I know it's another dream job, but if you were like, I, I was, was there for a this... couple
2: years before then it was weird. I mean, I was there part time. Um, it was weird. Because suddenly I thought I was like, Robot Chicken's a great place to work. I just thought I was going to be doing this other stuff, but it was—I mean, the—it's a—it's a really wonderful place to work. Seth was just on my show. Um, I'm still like really good friends with everyone there. Like, yeah. have you done a voice for them ever? No. Well, guys. What a disappointment. Have Pete on the show. I don't know Maybe I'll do a crashing for. sketch. Hmm. Oh, wait. Back to the Bible. There's one thing I was going to tell you. Yeah. So my husband and I met this rabbi couple years ago who was like a kind of like crazy thinking rabbi and he got picked out of... Crazy thinking well, rabbi. Well, he was like really like thought out of the box. I have he, a stinky dick. I have a stinky dick. <laughs> mm, that's why you cut off the tip. Yeah. <laughs> so make it be it less stinky. Make it be it less stinky. I know. I know words. Make it be it less stinky. So he was like, I got kicked out of rabbinical school because I didn't... The only... He's like, I believe the Torah, the, the Bible is the word of God. I don't believe... That we should follow the Talmud and the Mishnah. Now the Talmud and the Mishnah are the other Jewish holy texts, but they are written, they are interpretations of the Bible and they are written by the great rabbis, I think, like the great rabbis, Uh, right? I think, or is the Mishnah part of the Bible? Either way, I don't know. I'm really bad at this. I wasn't bat mitzvah. So, I think
1: I know what you're thinking of, and there's a Jewish word for the first four books of the Bible. It's one of them, is, and that's not the Mishnah or the Talmud. Those, I think, those are both commentaries. But I, I was wrong earlier, so. so don't listen to me. You want to look that? But up. I think they're commentaries. Let's look
2: up the yeah. So anyway, he was like, I don't want to follow any book that isn't the Bible, and yeah. he says, I eat cheeseburgers, and we were like, well, what are you talking about? And he goes, the Bible says, do not mix, do not bathe boil. a ca- <laughs> boil a calf in a mother's milk, right? Yeah. He goes, doesn't say don't on a cheeseburger. And a lot of people don't realize that at the time the Bible was written in ancient Babylonia, it was actually a ritual practice to literally boil a live calf in its mother's milk. That was an actual practice. Yeah. So he's like, so I think the Bible is just referring to that practice. It's if, like,
1: hey, don't do that.
2: If they said don't eat m- meat and milk, they would have just said don't mix they meat and that. milk.
1: They had cheese. They had they cheese. They had milk and meat.
2: And so he's buns. like, I eat cheeseburgers and that doesn't make people happy. Yeah. So that was interesting.
1: That's a very compelling reason to not believe in the Mishnah.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> like, it's just interpretations.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's get rid of that one. I'll have a point, double,
2: double. Yeah, if because <laughs> if you believe that, that the Bible's the word of God, you don't. I mean, God says don't do not believe in other other gods before me, right? Yeah, it's like a commandment. other
1: Don't put other gods don't before
2: other me. Gods before you me, can so. believe
1: in them, but keep them number two, three, four. Oh, really? Well, I mean, that's one in phrasing. I don't think that's what it means. I
2: wonder. So I could believe in Zeus. Is what it's like
1: saying. don't put other. I don't think it means don't don't put don't anything. Don't believe. I, I
2: think he says like I'm the one dude. I,
1: the Lord you got is one. I think uh, we're blanking on some commandments here. I
2: don't know. That's, I don't kill people. Yeah. That's the most important part.
1: Well, sure.
2: I also don't bear false witness. You don't lie. Mm, I try not to. Yeah. Oh, but I covet my neighbor's wife. (laughs)
1: Oh, she's a beaut. The funniest commandment. (laughs) It's also the only one that uh, has to do with an internal thing. Everything else is something you catch someone doing, but you can't tell if your neighbor's coveting your wife. You know what I mean? Huh. It's something that he's doing secretly.
2: Do you think that means like don't have sexual thoughts about your neighbor's wife?
1: I think so. It's like like, don't even think about parking here. You know what I mean? You see that sign? Don't even think Think about about fucking my wife. Yeah. If we say don't think you fuck fucking your wife, it's like, but you're still like aggressively flirting with her. What if her.
2: you walked into a party and that's the first thing you say to everyone? Don't even think about fucking my wife.
1: That's how I, I do want to say that. I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> so where were we? And then it got picked up and, and now you're a, a successful show.
2: Oh, and now I'm just, you know, I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking America sweetheart, you know? I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> does it, Does it feel real? Now it does. It now it does. Yeah. It,
2: it's been a very wild amount of change in a very short time. And I actually had a real hiatus this time where I could process it. And it, yeah, now it does. For the first year, I was just kind of purely reactive. Yeah. Because it's so, you're so busy. And then it was like, I was, I, we went into production when I was on my winter break. Cause we had 18 episodes of the first season. When I was on winter break, we did buy a house and we moved. Right after that were the Golden Globes, mm-hmm. um, and then it, it's just been. This is the first time I've in like kind of two years, this hiatus that I l- could sit and be like, "Oh wow, this all happened. It's mm. crazy."
1: That's great. That's super great.
2: Have you started? Yeah, Golden Globes mm-hmm. campaigning.
1: No. Oh,
2: that, that doesn't start now.
1: Does it not start now? It'll start. In oh, the fall. I think we had to submit for categories for. NX. Yeah.
2: Oh, with for Emmys, yes, which was just because that's exciting. coming up now.
1: Yeah, just to be like, so you'll be doing ooh.
2: some stuff, and HBO has a has has a fuck ton of money.
1: Yeah, I to guess. I, shit. I, I, they do a lot of promoting. Yeah, I wish because they have I was they sure. have
2: a lot of. You really see the power of like HBO and Netflix, and
1: they don't mess around with the promoting. No. That's why it's it's funny. Allison Williams did the podcast. I was complaining about press, but I was very careful to be like, look, I'm so thrilled to be doing it. Yeah, because I know what it's like to do a show with no press,
2: and it's your <laughs> and if you're the face of the show. Yeah, it's your. I mean, I do. Constant press and it helps. Yeah, um, but it's there's so many shows now.
1: I know, I know. Well, you have the advantage of saying your show is not like anything else. People aren't like True. your show really reminds me of. I love Lucy. Like I'm sure dummies say that because you're a lady. Yeah. I was actually just trying to think of something. your show
2: that... reminds me of my mom's pussy. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, when I and when I came out of it.
1: Yeah, you remind me of breasts and a lady's ass. <laughs> Can yeah. we talk about sexuality? Because I, I wonder if you get that a lot. There's, you're not ashamed or afraid of using sexuality as humor. And yeah. I'm even going back to when I remember seeing your poster for Please Love Me.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so impressed that you saw that. Yeah, at UCB, I remember. Yeah. And I was
1: like, oh, look at that girl's oh, boobs.
2: Please Love Me was my <laughs> album.
1: Pardon me. Yes,
2: but but it there was, was one where
1: your makeup's running and you're squeezing your boobs together.
2: That's my album. Yeah, um, there was a poster for my show at UCB, which was Rachel Bloom as a triple threat. Where it was me licking the ground and the byline was I will literally eat dirt if you come to my show. <laughs>
1: yeah. Where
2: and I played like a desperate actress a desperate version of myself.
1: Right. But Which has to love be me. an exaggeration of yeah. real feelings I we're just, all having. I think
2: sex is hilarious. I do <laughs> I think it's really hilarious. Um why? I think being sexy is really hilarious because I wasn't like a sexy you know what it is is like um I was always this like horny little kid who like but was like didn't dress well and like people called ugly. But I remember like being a horny from a very young age, and then like I got boobs, and suddenly you're overly sexualized when you get yeah. boobs. No, Val
1: got boobs young too, so she's told me similar yeah. things. But it's like suddenly you're just like, hi, I'm a woman. Yeah, you're an ob- yeah.
2: you're you're an object, and
1: and the way the PR for boobs is insane.
2: Oh, b- boobs have great. Whoever is the publicist for well, boobs, it's the devil.
1: But. <laughs> <laughs> but you know boobs are milk delivery bags for yes. babies and we've real and they're beautiful i mean everybody likes them we've talked about that like everybody was fed by them so you probably have some positive psychological not everybody but you have a positive psychological association with them even if you're a straight woman so you can appreciate the beauty of a life-giving force in yes. the same way uh, of a vagina right but uh, we've really taken something and taken it so far from what it's about and made them about slow motion trampoline bouncing. Yes. You know what I mean? It's a cleavage and people bending over and nipple slips and all this stuff. It's just yeah. like I have nipples and uh, frankly, I kind of have boobs. But it's like we've done this, <laughs> this great campaign for tits. And I actually benefit from them because I've bought into the narrative that they're salacious and naughty. And that's why I went and I was super religious and I saw your poster. I was like, who's this lady who's like, what did I say? Not ashamed. I was like, she's not afraid to use that and spin it into a powerful choice for herself.
2: Thank you. I mean, I I think that also comes from, I was a musical theater major. (laughs) No! That was so good.
1: <laughs> you got a... Oh, my when God. When they grade you, do they just go,
2: hmm?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that a C? Because I thought I was more of a hmm.
2: You would be so surprised <laughs> how... Well, I was musical theater, and then I did experimental theater. And there literally... <laughs> oh, no. There was a class where um, it we opened every... It was otherwise a wonderful class, but there was a class where we opened every um, every class with everyone <sighs> sitting on the ground with our eyes closed. And we had to let out a sound, could have been musical, could just be a sigh of, like, how we felt. And the way you would do it is there was no calling on each other. All of our eyes were closed. And you would clap when you felt the impulse. And it was supposed to be, like, free—you know, that's what experimental (laughs) theater is. Like, there's no wrong choice— So you'd literally be like, clap. It's that, right? And I remember the teacher when I You feel that way too? Yes. Oh my God. And I remember the teacher just being like, that one wasn't as free. That one was freer. Like, still grading us, no. kind
1: of. Like, she
2: told me a couple of times no. that I didn't sound as free. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you, lady.
1: That's what it's I'm like in free. here.
2: That's what it's like How in here. How can you
1: grade someone's emotion?
2: Well, welcome Crazy. to theater school.
1: Well, she was like a weird, like, she was otherwise a great,
2: <laughs> a great teacher. But there was that thing of like, um, I mean, I think you so. You know what it
1: felt like in her? That wasn't free, that was her sound. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I'm judging.
2: I'm judging. Because with the way that I would do my sound is different. Right. I don't know.
1: You man. were going to say. You were about to say that she was a great teacher. Oh,
2: so I think coming from, but going back, coming from musical theater, mm. um, every the humor in 90% of musical theater is not funny, haha, it's cute. And so I was doing musical theater simultaneously while I was on a sketch group. And I got really frustrated with the cutesy coyness of musical theater. And the like, because every song is like euphemism. Every song is just like, we're gonna do some things that we won't tell our mother. Wink, and it's just like, just say you're gonna fucking blow him. Right, that's what you're talking. Like all of these, and then it just, and then you get into these larger deconstructions of like every single love song out there. The core of it is just like me want fuck you, me want fuck you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Yeah, and then the core of that is like, baby, even if you're, even if you're, you know gay or, or like the, the the lizard brain of it all is like me baby make you like it's yeah. all just like yeah. gross and guttural and, and inelegant. Right. and so when i started doing comedy i was like oh we whoa. were just
1: laughing about the sam cook song only 16. Oh, uh, yes. I'm Only 16. 16. There are all these songs yeah. where it's like, whoops, I fucked a child. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I thought she was older, but Sammy was drunk. And she looked old because she had big tits. Oops, Right. I fucked a child. Whoops, I fucked a child. There's a lot of those. You're 16. You're <laughs> but, beautiful. Yeah. And you're mine. Well, he's talking like, about
2: when he was a 16-year-old. Actually, someone on my college sketch group, this girl Jess Conrad, wrote a great sketch where it was like a 50-year-old kind of re-recording his, his hits. And he's just like, my 15-year-old girlfriend, my 15. And it just keeps heightening <laughs> with the creepiness. They're like, yeah, I just, I just don't think you can sing that anymore, David. And he's like, why not? <laughs> I had a 15-year-old girlfriend.
1: And I was 15. And That's I was so 15. Funny. I had a bit about my friends who brag about losing their virginities when they were 12. And they were like, and she was so hot. Ooh. I'm like, you have to retire that story. You were a child fucking another child. You have to don't even think of that story. 12. You're not allowed to remember it. It's 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 illegal,
2: right? Because you can't legally. It's technically illegal for anyone under 18 to have sex with anyone. You can't legally. Basically, the law says you can't. I mean, here.
1: Wait, two 12 year olds can't fuck each other. It's illegal.
2: Technically, it's illegal. It's it's the idea of it's the idea that like no one under 18 or. Excuse the me for a second. I, I just
1: have to go on the lamb real quick. <laughs> The person I was who explained tw- this I was to me was—I was twenty-two. What I—I was nineteen. Okay, so yeah, we're fine.
2: We're fine. The person Don't who
1: explained this to me was
2: my father because he's a lawyer.
1: Oh, a Jewish lawyer.
2: J.K.
1: Simmons, a winner of an Oscar.
2: Amazing. Good for him.
1: I know. I can't believe it. I mean, I can because he's amazing. He's um, so sex. You use sex. You I reclaim sex. I just think it's sex. hilarious
2: because at the end of the day, it's all part of like being like stinky guttural animals. Like we're animals. Stinky dicks. Who, stinky, we all have stinky dicks. And it's like we're... So at the end of the day, we're all animals who... But we're really, really smart, elevated animals who constantly have to kind of balance out what are our base instincts versus like what society tells us that we should be doing and how to manage those instincts. Right. And I think that's very funny but
1: then also a lady gets boobs and also handed a societal expectation to be a lady
2: yes and you i don't I mean? like being i don't like no, i like
1: eat dirt to get people to exactly come to
2: i enjoy certain parts of being ladylike but i think because i was a w- weird brassy tomboy kid i always fought against the idea of being a genteel lady i, I always wanted to speak my mind and um but but also I was afraid of authority, so that doesn't – everyone is made of contradictory parts. Um, but, yeah, I just – I think that I was really – as an auditioning musical theater actress, every song was just like, I like a boy, a doop a doop a It was just very cutesy, <laughs> and I just wanted to run away from that and right. do stuff about how sexuality actually felt to me right? and my friends.
1: And that is very funny. Yeah. A lot of musical theater that I see is is that I'm I'm not saying yeah. you're in great company but most of the good stuff is more honest like because well, what it's also let's smoke yes. like how many we could go to the UCB tonight and someone will be like. Well, we cleaned out the house and we sold the deed. What do you say we smoke some weed? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that was terrible. I just thought of a rhyme for weed, so I went for it. What I'm saying is you're not supposed to say, let's go smoke some weed. You're supposed to say, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, And you're like, what if we took away the metaphor and just said... And that's
2: why I like doing blatant... That's why I like doing blatant things, because that's comedy. That's comedy sensibility. Right. And all of the great like comedy It goes back musicals. to the Eastern
1: European Jewish thing of like, yeah. oh God, I gotta take a huge shit. Or like, I mean,
2: I don't know if that's Eastern European... Well... <laughs> I don't know, because the We're whole thing about... we our families the for whole... people that would say that. Because <laughs> the whole thing about like classic Yiddish humor is clever is like is yeah, no, this kind of actually right. insinuate the cleverness that insinuates things which yeah. is kind of the opposite in some ways of what I like a What's, lot of times in songs it's hard to rhyme because with the rhyme you're setting up an expectation
1: right unless you do that thing unless
2: you subvert it or unless it's just a really funny rhyme so I find rhyming is a Fun, sometimes frustrating challenge.
1: But even that can be very – first of all, I rescind the idea that Jewish humor is just saying I have to take a shot. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is so wrong. I've never been more wrong. <laughs> and in fact, as I consider that, I was like the person in my family that would make that joke is my father who's Irish and English. So let's stop looking for a pattern. Some people make jokes like that and some people don't. It doesn't Yeah, matter.
2: I mean I think that there's an idea of openness. It's not Jewish humor as – well – Oh God! I don't know. I mean, we could write a we could get a PhD on this. It, do Jews could. like taking shits? And the answer is <laughs> yes. Also, the reason Jews talk about shitting is because we have there's Wait, this now term, we're saying they do they do. <laughs> and my cousin, my cousin is the rabbi at Texas A and M, which is I know why would you take that job, but he loves his job and he actually really loves College Station, and he put a. A jar of Tums on his desk, and he said that when he first started working there, Jewish Texans would come in and be like, "Oh, it's not just me that has a weird stomach with all of this food." Oh, that's so funny! And it's something to do within the shtetl. You know, you were only eating—you weren't eating a ton of dairy. You were only eating like kind of blander, sure. You know, just hearty winter kinda, yeah. poor food for sure. And so all this spicy stuff—you
1: went from saltines to like a curry.
2: Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. Come on. Yeah, my father-in-law makes fun of me whenever we eat spicy food, even though he's European too, but he's technically Israeli, you know, because all these Europeans moved to Israel. And we were eating Thai food one time, and he's like, hey, your face is red. You're Ashkenazi. You can't, you're not Israeli. You can't deal with spicy food. And I was like, what? You're the same genetic background as I am. Like,
1: That's so funny. Yeah. Subverting the rhyme, though, does feel like a, you know how bare naked ladies sound like they're playing like a children's birthday party? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're Like, you, right. you don't mind it, but they're just, like, lying in bed, just like Brian well There's, like, little jokes for the grown-ups. Yeah. It's like Frozen, before Frozen came out. Uh-huh. But I really – and the Avid brothers, who I love, do this, too, where, like, there'll be some rhyme where you're like, I was just trying to get in your – and it's supposed to rhyme with dress, but instead you say – or drawers or something, and you're just like, heart, and everybody – I call it like festival humor or children's yeah, birthday humor. Sure. Where we're all there with our like wine spritzers and we're like, oh, oh, I oh, thought oh. he was going to say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so you've done a great job. I remember in your pilot, though, isn't there an abortion joke in the first like 10 minutes or something?
2: Uh, I remember oh, an yes, abortion yes, joke. Yes, yes. Um, with your mom. Oh, yes. Like she picking says, you up. Yeah. She says, well, there's a hickey on my neck and she goes, Is that a hickey uh, if you're pregnant? We're you we got to get you an ab- abortion. Nothing is going to d- derail your career. It's really. Hard. <laughs> ah, and
1: how did you man? I mean, I'm sure you get that a lot, but you really did push the limits. Like when I watched the pilot, I was not shocked. But not shocked in the way that you might think, like shocked in the way my mother would watch it and be shocked. Sure. I watched it and was like, how did they, how did they
2: pull this off? I recently saw a, a YouTube comment from a pastor on one of our songs called Let's Have Intercourse that was like, clearly there's no one to protect the children from morality. Yeah. And I wanted to be like, children come out of pussies. But I didn't <laughs> say that.
1: <laughs> but they don't know. They just thought that was a wet waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> just a viscous kind of slippery there's a heartbeat playing instead of music and then you just come out it's years later that you go did I slide out of that oh yikes whoa um, well, we are at the at the point where we talk about uh, religion which we've already we've already been we've already doing done. but where are you at now
2: well oh my god this dog is stretching like such a little dog um, such a dog such a, you're such a dog right now that's
1: a D oh boy <laughs>
2: someone make a super cut of him just saying that for S-a-D. five minutes s a d s s a d s a d uh well i it's it's interesting because i i'm so interesting uh, no this is the podcast where you're allowed
1: to just be like yeah well, so if a baby slid out of your pussy, uh-huh what would you tell it <laughs> about I'm, god i
2: oh about god and
1: life and all that
2: Ooh, okay. would you
1: raise' him conservadox?
2: No. 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 I am um, a while back I had a moment where I suddenly realized, "Oh my god, I'm an atheist." And it was much more of a practical Oh my god. I sell- I'm an
1: atheist. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus, Lord of the Universe.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm an agnostic. An <laughs> agnostic. <laughs> so, here's the way I separate, here's the way I separate them. I am a practical atheist. And a spiritual theoretical agnostic. Let me explain. In my day-to-day life, I don't live my life like there is a cushion for my actions. Like if I do something bad, something will forgive me. If Or if I do something bad, it was meant to happen. I practically, I need to think that way in order to take responsibility for my own actions. Because when I was kind of just generally agnostic throughout my day-to-day life, I would I would. It was a way for me personally, because very personal for me to not take responsibility for my actions. That's very interesting. It was like I would say things. To, I would, I would fuck fuck something up and just be like, "Well, it was meant to happen, and the universe will catch me." No. Sometimes when you fuck up, you fuck up. And I went to. This is where it gets. I I went on. I studied. I did this really intense intense class on South Africa. And at the end of the semester, we all went to South Africa. And it's very intense. You're learning a lot about apartheid and the horrors and the atrocities. We went to Robben Island, which was the political prison of apartheid, where our tour guide was someone who was imprisoned in apartheid. And it was just like, how arrogant of me to be like, whatever happens is meant to happen. The universe has a plan. It's like, of course the universe has a plan. I'm in theater school. I have a great life. Right. For me, Right. When whatever, are up, it's, it's easy, easy for me to say whatever's happened, whatever's meant to happen, meant to happen. But... But how arrogant of me to think that because of my privilege. Yeah, And so that was kind of a big moment. But I say theoretical agnostic because to me they're two different things. The idea of fate and there being some sort of moral cushion and the idea of watching over me and being like, you know, destiny is very different from are we in a computer simulation or is there an overall spiritual being watching over the universe? My own life is the way and the way that I live it and take responsibility for my actions is very different from I don't claim to have any authority over what the universe is cuz it's the universe and I think that any scientist you know I think a lot of people especially religious people say scientists think they know everything no they are constantly they're just searching for what what's the truth In fact they're the always how trying to prove what they don't know actually. Yes and scientists love right. uh and I'm not a scientist I am a science a dumb science enthusiast right. um but they love to be proven wrong, which you can't say about religion. I mean, no uh,
1: few groups celebrate being wrong. Yes. And science,
2: science doesn't, they don't, I mean, in an ideal world, scientists and science does not have an agenda towards anything. It, it's just searching for what, what's the truth. And so that's why I say like agnostic is just, I, of course I don't know, nor do I believe that anybody fully knows just for my own life. And it's very personal because I think for some other people, finding Jesus helps them become a better person in the ways that I've become a better person being an atheist. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that the thing that unites all of it is just being empathetic and kind and understanding and understanding that no one wants to be a bad person. We're all flawed and we're all just trying to like get through life. And that just seems to be a common thing when I talk to people who are, you know, good Christians are good. I was talking to someone who was Muslim about this, you know, good Buddhists. Like that seems to be the core of all the good stuff about religion, including my own atheism. So mm-hmm. I don't, but it, feels very pers- but it feels very personal to me. Like I would never, I'm much more, and I try to scale this back, but I'm much more preachy when it comes to like broader scientific things. Like a lot of the kind of pseudoscience things that people in LA do, like, Astrology or juice cleanses. Like, I can. That's stuff that has been proven wrong by science and people searching for the truth. And I think that a lot of times people who believe in pseudosciencey things are infinitely more stubborn than scientists. Sure. But I would never be like, you should be an atheist like me. Because for me, it felt like a very personal decision in order for me to get on the path of being a good person in the same way people are when they're Christians sometimes. Mm-hmm. It was just the, my personal interpretation of this is and, what helps me to be the best.
1: And it doesn't, you're saying everybody has a, a, a group of values that we all share in common. We all want like, well that we to should be safe. Yeah. We want to, you know, be happy. We want to have freedom, all these different things. Yeah. And you're saying you get there through athe- atheism.
2: Yeah. That's how I get now there. I'm just
1: wondering how, <laughs> what's wrong with juice cleansing?
2: <laughs> sure. So, um, do you know? Uh, yeah, I kind of do. Again, I'm an amateur science amateur 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 science enthusiast. So basically, your body has a way of cleansing itself, and it's called ping and pooping. Yep. And so the idea that you need to cleanse first of all toxins mean
1: you're talking about detoxifying. I'm talking
2: about detoxifying. Yeah, I understand. It doesn't actually make the science doesn't add up. The idea of like heavy metals in your body it it just doesn't. It it, I'm with you it there. doesn't actually make. It I, doesn't make I thought sense. you had something. Uh, I'm not well. Challenging juice you. cleansing is just you're losing water weight, and so it's not. So you are losing weight on a juice cleanse, but it's not good for you because you're not taking in nutrients. The juice isn't. You certainly, are taking in nutrients. The ju the juice the the juice of fruit is mostly just the sugar, like the pulpy stuff. The actual meat the of the juice is is where the fiber is, and the fiber is what actually. Um,
1: Helps you process helps the sugar. Helps you process
2: the sugar. That's what yeah. it is. Again, I am not claiming to be an expert on That's this. That's okay.
1: I, w- I was just looking for like a, a, a thing that maybe I didn't know that was like, you shouldn't do it. It's bad. As somebody who has done cheese cleansing, I'm
2: it's with you. It's not great. It's not. It's just also not. It's not good for you. And it doesn't help you. It helps you lose temporary water weight. Um. But other than that, it, it's not – you're not suddenly cleansing yourself of these heavy metals that doesn't – That I don't think that exists. I'm with you.
1: The, the story of me- heavy metals and toxins and stuff in your yeah. body that need to be removed – can reach uh, people can reach a like a religious level of fervor for that yeah and like just, i wouldn't eat that because it puts this in me and and you're saying that the body has a natural way and i i, I get that I agree
2: yeah that. i think that the word toxin is is really because the word toxin does exist in science but it's just i think it's greatly misused and they've so done funny, studies the last on this
1: person that i talked about this with i'm pretty sure was glennis mccarthy oh who is musical another improv. Musical improv uh-huh. so apparently you guys just hate fucking juice fast man i
2: think it's <laughs> you know what it is it's just like we should be uh la in particular you know our kind of like hipstery comedy community is so enlightened and smart and um we should all be we should all be on the quest for truth and be open to change and i think i'll run into people because prove me wrong with the juice cleanse thing if there's like something that comes out, like I'm willing to be proven wrong, but I think that people just are so dogmatic. It becomes a religion just oh, about sure. things that aren't, because you, when you say like, well, science can't prove everything. The jury's still out on science. Then it's like, okay, well, you're not on the quest for truth. You just believe this thing. Cause you just want to believe this thing. Right. You're not willing to be proven wrong. You just want to believe this and we'll find any it's way. to kind of like believe it.
1: going back to us giving meaning to the pillow.
2: Yeah. Meaning to the pillow. And which the dog there's is people that
1: on. go, the pillow doesn't mean anything. And they're right. except emotionally, I guess the pillow could mean something to me. But now we're getting into psychological. The the juice cleanse
2: thing is—it's a good. The cleansing is a good reset, and I go through. I mean, I'm trying to eat. This very practically mostly mostly vegan right now, and and whole grains and stuff. Because that has been proven to be healthy. So it's just, everything's so fucking nuanced. Depends what we're talking about.
1: <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I hear you making doing that thing that I sometimes do, where you get overwhelmed with all the data that could be for or against something. Yes. That's why, even though if I'm like, oh, I like juice fast or whatever, which I haven't done one in years. But uh, it's just kind of going like, what works for you? Don't hurt anybody. Do the research. Be open to being wrong. And take it easy.
2: Yes, that's what. <laughs> that's yes, what you're saying. That's what, just take it. Fucking take, take it easy. Easy. Nothing and, needs to
1: be brought up to a boil. And
2: just be like, just understand, we're all trying to like do the same thing, man. <laughs> Fucking, we're just trying to like get by.
1: Have you ever done psychedelics?
2: Yeah. Uh, it was very. Uh, the first time I did mushrooms was it was a really intense trip. I did I did them in Amsterdam. I did too many, and it was like. Amazing, and then it went bad. But the bad part of the trip is where I learned the most.
1: What What happened?
2: I, just, I did too many, and I was like shivering on a bed for two hours. No, I mean, in the trip. Oh, well, it was actually. Oh my God, that's my friend. That's Michael, who's on my show. That's okay. Michael McMillan, who's full on on, on Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Really,
1: have him come in for a cameo? Hold on. You have so many cameos on your episode. Hold on. What are the chances? It's been a who's who of the comedy scene here at Meltdown Comics. <laughs> that's right now. Come in and do a cameo. Come here. Hello.
2: Hello. How's it going? What a treat in the studio. We have Michael McMillan, who plays the part of Jim on Crazy Ex Girlfriend, who was in Meltdown Comics.
0: What are you doing here? I'm picking up some comic books. Yay. I was looking for a Spider Man issue for my nephew nephew, you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I call my sad, lonely inner child.
2: We have to write the checks out to Michael's nephew. Spider-Man comics?
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan, too, but I passed it on to my 13-year-old nephew. And uh, now I mail him comic books every month. And he just loves them.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: but they didn't have the one I'm looking for. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Which one were you looking for? Pete, you don't want to go down this... (laughs) Horrible tunnel it's that you have no interest. In. Yeah.
1: No, I do. What if it's the one? <laughs>
0: My sad web.
1: I, I had that
0: Spider-Man where he's on the cover, and they did like six covers. It came out in the nineties. Oh yeah, Spider-Man number one by Todd McFarlane. That's the one. They really—that's like when they figured out that they could like rip kids off by putting out Multiple seven different covers. That's it.
2: Oh, that's so sad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I bought several. Oh, I bought them all.
1: I also didn't care for how much he got his ass
0: kicked. Oh yeah, that it whole yeah, the whole thing is just like some uh, voodoo lady. It That's right. Kick, like, wait, you wait. I actually yeah. have to
2: pee. Yeah, go ahead. You guys talk about this, and I'll be back in like I'll one take second. <laughs> mic.
0: Uh, yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, he was like in a dumpster the whole time. It was really. Oh depressing. my god! And his mask ripped. Yeah, and he was
1: bleeding. Yeah, and it wasn't that I was uh, some sort of blood prude, but I didn't like Peter Parker, your friendly neighborhood Spider Man, bleeding. Yeah, all the it was like time.
0: definitely like a like the, the the that that series like led to like Spawn. Yeah, that's that right. Like, that was like Spider-Man is Spawn. Did he turn into Spawn in that one? I think he literally he cut- just turned into Spawn and then left Marvel Spawn Comics. Spawn stinks. And went- I know. It was always terrible. <laughs> always terrible. The Wait other- a minute. I was thinking of Venom. Oh, no. Ve- Spawn, oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. Just, Spawn is just uh, spider other. I didn't like Spawn. He's just Spider-Man with a cape from hell. Yeah,
1: and capes are stupid. Yeah. Capes who, are, needs it?
0: who needs a cape? They don't even do anything. And what's it like working with Rachel
1: Bloom? We're supposed oh, to be talking about best. her. she's the best. What else are you going to say? She's about? great. Uh, what's wrong with
0: her? Uh, I'm just kidding. She, uh, no, she's actually, she's actually like the best person I've ever worked with.
1: Really? Do a lot of people call it my crazy ex-girlfriend?
0: A lot of my brother-in-law does. Yeah. And I then I have, I've had to correct him a couple times. Yeah, because um, yeah, that's, the, you know, that's a big, that's, a, that's the anti-feminist title. Is my crazy ex-girlfriend. Instead of... Crazy ex-girlfriend. And that because is it, feminist. Yes, because oh, crazy because ex-girlfriend you're is a it? label. But if you're saying my crazy ex-girlfriend, you sound like a misogynistic you're asshole. you a man saying, that's my crazy yeah, ex-girlfriend. which is, like, not cool. Wow. I Ask her about it when she comes in. Well, it
1: did come up, but she didn't have that brilliant point about oh. it. She just kind of flapped her gums like a typical woman. Are you talking about me? Yeah. What did, I, what did I do? Jk, make your point about my crazy
0: ex-girlfriend. I was saying that. Oh my, fuck my, you! The,
2: oh. <laughs> I, was,
0: I was saying my crazy ex- ex-girlfriend is the is the anti-feminist title because then then you're seeing it from a misogynistic yeah. male from point of, of view. Yeah. Going, yeah. My...
2: Rather than taking the label itself and then deconstructing like, it.
0: Exactly. Like a book "Whore." Yeah. And then you're like, then you you call it that whore or there. my whore.
2: My whore. My that's whore. kind of
0: impor- empowering.
2: My yeah. whore, whore <laughs> is empowering. My whore, horrible.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm joking.
2: Yeah, sure. get out of here. No, I
0: kidding. just wanted to talk about X Force comics Actually, and I had Spider-Man a pretty and-
2: Wait, can we talk about the moment we had that's on that's on the blooper reel that will eventually be out? Oh, sure. This is pretty great. Um, I love it. Michael and I had a. <laughs> um, so. There was a scene where we're all, it's in episode 209, if anyone wants to know, where we're all, everyone at the office is celebrating something, and Michael's kind of character bit throughout the episode, unbeknownst to me, had been that he tried to kiss everyone on the lips. (laughs) And I don't think you, I think you'd warned me that you were going to do this to me, Yeah. but he grabbed me to kiss me on the lips in the context of the scene, and my body went into fight mode, uh, and I hit him, and I go, get the fuck off me!
0: Okay, this sounds like I just sexually assaulted. <laughs> no, you Rachel did Bloom on You didn't.
2: You didn't. No, no, it was part of the like. It was part of the bit. It had been an
0: ongoing joke. So many
1: things have been shrouded in part
0: of the bit. Yeah. Exactly. But
2: I knew it was like. It That's was... how we couch ourselves from lawsuits as actors.
0: I oh, was just in character. Uh, no, but like,
2: but I, but I have. I'm at living. No, yeah. but I have to say, like, it doesn't look when you look at it. It doesn't look that. It 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 doesn't look rapey at all. It just it just he looks like sad and desperate. Yes. But I think it's just the fact that like. like, Like you are a man and you're slightly or like you're slightly stronger than I am.
0: I don't know. You hit me very hard. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. The bit had been that I had been doing this with with Donald and Chaplin for a while where I would every now and then if we ever had a victory or a celebration and people would be like, hooray, like we saved the day or we're not fired. Any chance I could get to like my character being like, oh, this is my window for affection. He'll always try to hug someone And then Donna, so I'd been doing that just to torture Donna for a little while. And then I was like, I'm going to do it to Rachel. And she really, really pushed me away.
2: It's a great bit. And we put the second version of it where I didn't go into fight or flight mode. It's in the episode. Yeah, it is in the episode. Because it's very funny because talking about deconstructing stereotypes with the show, like his character is kind of this like – you know, dickish guy who part of may or may not be based on people I've been with in writers' rooms, and but but the but the shh. Uh, but the but the uh, but the undertone of him is that he's starved for like love and affection and doesn't know how to express himself, and so it's actually perfectly on par with what we want to do with the character.
0: Yeah, I think underneath Tim, for those of you who care about a very peripheral character <laughs> on Crazy X. <Ex, laughs> As he is, he's just like, there's this part of him, even though he's married and he sees himself as this like, big, I, I picture like New York lawyer. He's yeah. always like wearing like the, the uh, suspenders he and wears the pin stretchers. He
2: wears suspenders with martini glasses yeah. on them.
0: He thinks he's a real like guy out of Mad Men or something. Yeah. But underneath it, he is just really desperate, for, quietly desperate for love and affection.
2: It's beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. I'm going to get out of here. What did you say for the final question. Oh, yeah. Oh. Maybe it's a
1: crazy ex thing.
2: Can we hear Pete okay? No. Maybe <laughs> yeah. it's a
1: crazy X thing. No, but then I'll give it back to you. Well, can you guys, th- I usually ask the time you laugh the hardest in your life, because we talked about God and stuff.
2: I think Michael and I have the same answer to this.
1: Well, then I'll res- give the
2: microphone back. Do you know what I'm talking about? We can talk about it vaguely, because I don't want to sell him out. You know exactly what I'm talking about.
0: I'm catching up mentally. The party. Can-
2: <sighs> Baby, it's cold outside.
0: Oh God! Oh, yes, I've
2: never been more interested. Um, yeah, no, this it is actually was the hardest the, I've ever uh, laughed in my life. And
0: and we were we were laughing literally together. on the floor
2: together. I, I have a video that I'll show you after. Okay, so basically what happened was, see Rachel, there is
1: a God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is actually like I
1: always ask your hardest laugh, and your hardest laugh was in the shop. Bow down before Jehovah
2: Jireh. <laughs> is this podcast uh, meant to just convert people? Yeah, like you're still super religious.
0: There's there's either God or just proof of chaos, magic, and synchronicity. It's one Ooh. it's one,
2: one one of them.
1: Yeah, that's why it's so long. Is the guest isn't allowed to leave until they pledge their life. To
0: <laughs> so actually, this
2: coincidence is pretty great. I love it because I would have told this story. So, yeah,
1: and here you are.
2: So it's
0: that's very weird. So
2: we were yeah, at. With a K. A party at Pete Gardner's... What? What? Magic with
0: a
1: K. Yep.
2: Oh, magic with a K. Oh, magic... Isn't that like the the feminist Wiccan way of spelling it? Um,
0: yeah, it's but time come up. and I think it's like the 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 Crowley way, which I do not think that guy constitutes as a feminist at all. Oh, it's Crowley.
2: oh, it's the is it
1: Crowley? Crowley or Crowley? I think it's Crowley or Crowley. When you say Crowley. It's like it's kind of like a you
0: know smart hipster kind of Jewish leaning bit. <laughs> you know, I think I think Crowley is cool because he kind of like looks like he's got like he he looks like a crow. He's like very. Oh. Medieval. He's very sinister. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's like his. That's his anthropomorphic cool. version of him. Would that be is Alistair someone Crowley. actually who
2: wanted to be a villain.
0: Nick. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was thinking Nick Kroll. Well, there oh, you go. Oh, Who also is into the
2: occult. Of course.
0: Yeah. That's Kroll with the K. That's... We all are.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that moment where
1: show business is spilled open.
2: We all are. Don't tell. Why would you tell? The UCB stands for. No. Undead Und- Christ bride. bride.
1: Undead Christ Bride.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say boobs.
1: Und-
2: undead Christ
1: boobs, undead. <laughs> I like Bride.
2: I, with boobs. Undead yeah. Christ Boobs Bride. The boobs come with the bride. Yeah, of course. That goes without saying. You look down,
0: I have one long black pinky nail. <laughs> what is that? Is that just for Coke? What is that? Yeah, uh, it's for
2: Coke. Why did... Do- <laughs>
0: Coke and Zyrte. I've never done. Yeah, right. I've never
2: done Coke, but they they talk about Carrie Fisher's long Coke nail.
0: Oh yeah, on the set in you can Star see Wars. it. Isn't can she see like? It. Yeah. Doesn't she have her hand on like uh yeah. on Harrison Ford's shoulder in the cockpit? Yeah, of the you the see this long ass Coke go-
2: nail. No. Yeah. Even
1: in a long time ago, far far away. Oh yeah. Wow.
0: That's that some good funny. shit on Alderon. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: guess it's so that you can just easily do a, a bump. Rather um, than put it on a can't mirror, You find
1: anything else. You have to grow one. <laughs> I only do cocaine off of my nail. I'm not a monster. <laughs> I want to do some heroin. Let me get my pubes out.
0: <laughs> I only cook heroin off of my pubes. Why did they just make uh, like a coke thimble that you could slip on your pinky? That's that makes the sense. Monopoly pieces are. I only do coke off of a little race car. <laughs> it's a perfect key bump. Car bump. Oh yeah. You know they did say that Monopoly helped people get through the the de- Great Depression.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're so sad that that boring ass nine hour game <laughs> cheers you up, that's a little glimpse into how shitty the depression was. I also love Michael, I really do. But you pointed the microphone at me like I'm sure Pete'll have something on this. <laughs> I didn't ask for it. I didn't want
0: it. It Here we are.
2: This has turned into Michael's podcast. I love it. It's a day (laughs) off called Sharing Mics. Yeah.
0: With Michael. It really up your profile. Okay. Okay, So, okay, Okay. sorry. So, we're at a
2: party. Uh, Pete Gardner, who plays Daryl on the show, is who I feel like you guys could be related. I don't know. It's the the general Aryan blonde. Um, And Pete is like the. I mean, he's the dad we all want. Like everyone in the cast wants him. To, like Michael and I, Michael, Michael Scott and I in particular yeah. like really want him. I
0: routinely just log onto his Facebook page and just I'm like, "Dad,
2: will you be my dad, please?" <laughs> Cuz he's he's the he's not only the best dude, but he's a great father. He has an amazing relationship with his kids. Uh it was his I forget who's what party. I think this was just a holiday party he had. It was
0: just a. It was just a get together. It was just it was a get together. Just a Pete threw a party.
2: But his sons were there. His oldest son. He has a fourteen year old and a twenty two year old, and he's really close with his. I, in fact, we all the other day, the other night, just went to see him and his son do an improv show at West. Like he's a really great dad. His his family's really close, and but he's also like you know he's an old school Pete's an old school Chicago comedy guy. So he's like body raucous life of the party. Can, can drink, like has a great tolerance until he does he it. He was
0: wearing a captain's suit as host.
2: He was wearing a captain's, captain's
0: <laughs> uni- uniform. Yes. It's it pretty great. Forget your suspenders. That's madmen.
1: Ahoy, permission to come aboard. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Who wants a
2: beer shaken? You're totally right. And it's and like, it is yeah.
0: all aboard. Like, yeah. they. Everyone's all aboard. They are, everyone is welcome. Actually,
2: yeah. at that same, oh, Pete might be mad at me for telling this story. I don't think so. Oh, my, was it Pete's birthday party? Because the second I walked in, I was like getting over a cold. And I walk into the party, Pete's drunk. There's music. There's a DJ and a karaoke. He he He's a big backyard. There, he has a, a DJ stand set up and, and karaoke set up. There's a song playing. I, I walk into the party. He grabs me and starts dancing with me, turns me, but a la Michael not knowing his own strength, spins me so hard I fall... <laughs> uh, back into his plants and Pete catches me like just as my head would have hit the ground.
0: I witnessed it. This indeed happened.
2: Yeah. Whoa. And so, so Pete
0: like, like it looked more graceful than I'm sure it felt.
2: It felt like I almost died, but I don't think I actually People almost be died. tossing you. People like to toss me. <laughs> I like being tossed. Um, and so later that night, uh, Pete's a little drunker, his son, more drunk than the toss. Uh, it might be lateral. Listen, it's not
0: so much that he was drunk; it's that Party Pete had arrived.
2: Party Pete had arrived. That's why I started
0: calling him out. It was Party, like, Pete. Party Pete. It was Party, Party Pete. Pete.
2: I mean, and you have to—he's like the spirit. He's the spirit animal of of the cast. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the older cast members, yet by far the most energy, the most optimism. He's the greatest. One I one long nail. One long nail.
0: Yeah. <laughs> He's always up for everything. Um, Oddly, it's the small toe.
2: <laughs> I would so bu- buy the that sloth with the long Coke yeah. toenail. I'm
0: very flexible.
2: <laughs> it's so surprising that sloths are so lazy, considering how much Coke they do.
1: I know they love it. <laughs> they
0: do a lot <laughs> of down. I think they're yeah, they're just <laughs> constantly coming down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we're at this party, and Pete and his son, to be weird and funny, decide to do a duet of "Baby, It's Cold Outside." Oh.
0: It's not even Christmas. This is like, no, it's not. They were just horny for each other.
2: (laughs) But, like, it's meant to be funny. And, like, they were going to do it as a bit. And Pete is, so his son's singing the guy's part, and Pete's singing the girl's part. And Pete is so drunk. He can't articulate. So it's like, I really, it's like, so it's like, a man can't stay, but baby, it's cold outside. I got, got baby, it's cold outside. Where are we, baby? Matt,
0: of course, is like, you're embarrassing yourself in front of all your friends. This is my father. This is weird. Yeah,
2: yeah. Matt's like, all your friends are looking at you now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, It's one of those, like most of
0: these, I'm sure, stories you've heard. It was a kind of – you kind of had to be be there. there.
2: Actually, I'm going to go against that
0: because I'm enjoying it very
2: much. I will – I have the video – I will show you after. It Sorry, is, Pete. Don't be mad at it me. It
0: was one of the greatest things I have ever seen. And I had a friend. I brought a friend with me. Oh my God, Who right. still, to this day, brings that up. And he came to the – he wanted to come to the improv show the other night because that was like one of the – it was literally one of the funniest things I've ever seen in it's my life. It's
2: the heart. I fell to the m- – Michael and I both fell to the ground laughing. We were
0: laughing. on the our knees floor. on the floor. And I
2: wasn't drinking that night. I was stone cold I sober. I was
0: pretty darn sober for being at a Party Pete function. Oh, God. <laughs> And I was dying.
2: Pete's Pete's the fucking best. Like I he deserves all of the
0: gold. He deserves a Pete Buddy Award. <laughs> have you wait, have you <laughs> given yourself a Pete Buddy oh, Award? Oh right. In the mirror morning <laughs> in the shower. Every morning. I carve one out of the soap. <laughs> go. I accept this humbly. This one's mine. <laughs>
1: Do, did, I feel. Do you feel good? I, I mean, that's kind of what we end on. I yeah. mean, he's getting up to leave because if you don't get up to leave, you can both say "keep it crispy." But normally, I ask. The I think we should say. Okay. I mean,
2: the odds of me running into Michael, well, here are pretty good, actually. Yeah, um, it is a comic but I think book we should both say. Saturday. Let's both say "keep it crispy." Okay. I
1: got everything that I was. I was into.
2: What I like that you were taking notes, and stuff. I that's really smart. Notes. This one
1: just says weed.
2: Okay. <laughs> I've smoked weed. Oh, and then the second time I did mushrooms. um, was uh just a pleasant wonderful experience yeah,
1: I, I still like want Westerns. to know what you learned from the dark one.
2: Oh, it was that it was actually kind of on the road to being like a practical atheist where it was like it was like the universe it was the the good part of the trip was like oh the universe is um so vast and i'm a part of it and then it was like the universe is so vast and i'm a part of it you oh, know wow. and then it was like nothing cares everyone's inherently selfish everyone's out for themselves it's only up to me it's only up to me wow kind of that okay heavy and then the r- more recent time I did mushrooms, um, I did less, and I did them on the full stomach, which didn't make me sick at all. It was actually great, and I I had this whole revelation about how every relationship in like TV, film, or books is it's all about who has the power. And I kept writing like, "Who has the power? Who has the power?" Wow! And I still kind of think that.
0: Interesting. Do you agree? Yeah. Tim
2: never has. <laughs> Tim never has the power. <laughs> Not me, <laughs> not me today on this Michael. lonely
0: Saturday. No. Just buying comic books for my nephew. Well, that's in. Uh, did you read Impro by Keith Johnstone?
2: Uh, not a long time.
1: It, it talks about high status, low status. Who has the? It, it's kind of that idea.
2: Miles Stroth does that. Don't bring up Miles Stroth. All right, <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> Jk, he does that in this in, in his, his like
2: workshop. His whole thing is like there are like six types of improv scenes, and it's like. It's like when you do a peas in a pod scene, you, you have equal status, uh-huh. you know, and that's what makes it peas in a pod. I see. Because if it's, if it's different types of power, then it's not peas in a pod. It's a you know straight man, crazy man scene or whatever. Right, right, right. Or, or another type of scene.
0: When
1: well, too low status, Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I bet we could think of six
0: combos. Well, I, I, I'm so happy. I know who the lowest man on the totem pole is here exactly. right now. <laughs> it's, uh, the sc- no. uh, it's the dog. It's definitely Scout. <laughs> oh, Scouty. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you were here, Mike. What Thanks for having me on the show, Pete. <laughs> exactly. That's what my mom always says. Oh,
2: Rachel, thank you. This thank is you for having, having me. Having oh my God, this was so fun. hug When you get out, yeah, that'd oh, be sorry. weird. I just to... Felt
1: like we should have, but we didn't. But you guys are going to say "Keep it crispy" is how we end the show. Yeah. As as uh, Aline knows.
2: Oh yeah, Aline's so, a massive fan of the show.
1: One, two, three. Keep, Keep it crispy. It
2: crispy. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: It's one of the best keep it crispies of all
2: Oh, first. thank you. That's because you had two. Thank
1: you, Rage. And you're
2: okay. You're now my podcast comedy partner, you. Michael. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my God. You're now the co host.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Sharon Mike.
0: Now leaving nerdist.com.